Okay, so this uh, family was having a plumbing problem, okay? Someone had shit in the toilets and clogged them up, and so they had to call some plumbers to come out. And, um, you know, the mom was washing dishes that day and doing some chores around the house, and she noticed that when the plumbers got there, that three men got out of the van. But as the day went on, and she kind of watched them coming and going and taking their equipment back to the van, it looked like only two of them got back in. She thought, well, that's queer, but maybe I missed it. Maybe a guy got in the back and I just wasn't looking. So they went about their day and the plumbing worked fine and business went back to usual. That night, the mother and father were getting in bed. They had tucked the kids in, safe and sound. The wife laid there, beginning to hear her husband snore, fast asleep. She found herself restless. Not seeing the third man get into the van really started to bother her. And that's when she hears a creak in the attic. And then another creak. And then another, getting louder, right overhead. And then in the hallway outside the bedroom, in between her and the children's bedrooms, she hears the attic stairs come down with their telltale... Footsteps coming down the steps, one after the next, after the next, after the next until they hit the plush carpet at the bottom. Too scared to move or make a sound or wake her husband up. And that's when she heard a man lean in and say, Hey, I'm sorry. I think I fucked up. Where's the front door? I've been stuck in y'all's attic all afternoon. Welcome to a super spooky Halloween special episode of the 90s Roulette Podcast, the podcast where we spin the wheel to see what media is covered from the only decade worth talking about. Do these things still glitter as gold through rose-tinted glasses, or will Dalton just shit on them regardless because he's incapable of being the slightest bit objective <laughs> and, frankly, is limited in his thinking as a person? I'm Michael, and with me Not is... Jesse! Oh, Garrett! <laughs> oh, shit, who's that? A fucking ghost in here. And Garrett, do you want to tell the listeners what we have in store today? Oh, fuck, we have stuff today? Oh, yeah. Um, today, our movie is Tim Burton's Sleepy Hollow. Uh, a wonderful movie. And our TV show is Hey Arnold, particularly the Halloween special of the Headless Cabbie on Friday the 13th. And our music video is The Beautiful People by Marilyn Manson. And having said that, let's get into Sleepy Hollow. Change All right, it. Hold on. We transition here with a little song. Have you seen the prick of John? Short, pale, numb, with the bone all gone. Ooh. No, I don't. Wouldn't this be better with no hard on? Halloween is confusing. <laughs> is there more? That's Halloween. Okay. I'm, I'm not scared. I'm just a wreck. <laughs> all right. Change it. <laughs> Now you can get McDonald's Happy Meal Pails for Halloween! There's a pumpkin pail, Boom. a witch, Boom. and a ghost ah. that glows in the dark. 
you can get a different one each week until Halloween. Ooh. Mystery. Is everyone in this village enthralled with superstition? The magic. Perhaps there's a bit of a witch in you because you've bewitched me. The legend. Sleepy Hollow. <laughs> now playing in theaters. And we're back, and we are covering Sleepy Hollow, uh, which we almost could not cover. This movie came out in November 19th, 1999, so it just made the cut. And I had that thought. As the movie started, yeah. that is this really a '90s movie? Because yep. it's oh, yeah. it's already starting to get reach that feeling of like this is starting to look and feel like a 2000. Too movie. clean, yeah, yeah, too clean to be '90s. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I mean, the late '90s definitely was starting had like some experimental uh, cleanness. I think in the way, especially in horror. Yeah, experimental I mean, cleanness. Yeah. What do you mean? Just like high fidelity? Uh, well, like in when they start doing like different color timings. Oh, looks I got you. Like a, a, after, uh, especially like after Oh Brother Where Art Thou and, and stuff. And yeah, I think this is a time when like auteurs and shit could like, really like like really use film to a to a great great point. Yeah. Like while while digital filmmaking it, it's sort of being celebrated and applauded for that sort of dirty aesthetic. Yeah, F- filmmaking like using film has never looked better. I mean, look, you look at late '90s Spielberg and some other people, like Wachowskis even, and it's like this looks fucking phenomenal. Yeah. Like really, really black blacks and really, really white whites. Like the dynamic range is incredible. I was going to say the, the contrast is yeah. feels like it's the start of something totally different. You yeah. Know, so, the, um, yeah, you, you want to introduce the movie? I was just going to say, yeah, it's written by Andrew Kevin Walker, uh, the guy who wrote Seven. And I think he does a really good job working off the Washington Irving story with this. Does something completely different. And the director of photography is Emmanuel Lubezki, um, who's mainly known for working on Alfonso Cuaron movies and uh, Terrence Malick movies. I mean, he does The New World two years later, and or f- five years later. He does Children of Men like the same year, basically. This guy makes movies look really, really nice and has for the last like 25 years. And this is kind of an earlier one, but fuck does this look good. I mean, even by Burton standards... This one really stands out. Yeah. There's parts of the story that I feel like I would pick apart, but the cinematography looks amazing. God, the set design, the set design, design is incredible. Yeah. yeah. So the uh, story or basic premise of this is that somebody is getting, if you don't know like the basic premise of Sleepy Hollow, the legend, it's very similar to that still, that people in the town of Sleepy Hollow are getting uh, heads chopped off uh, by a headless horseman and... Uh, uh, Johnny Depp plays an inspector in the city who is sent to investigate those killings. Mr. Ichabod Crane. I don't think the story has anything to do with that. He's a school teacher, and there's a story about a headless horseman, and at the end, when he gets chased over the bridge... Yeah, I mean, there's still, like, similarities. Yeah, there's, like, some, there's exactly, similarities. No one's getting beheaded, though, in the story. So there's some things. No, well, I, I, thought, I haven't seen it since... Uh, I saw the Disney movie, and I and read the book when I was, like, in... Okay. Fifth grade. Well, I can't remember I the not, last time I read the Irving story, but I did think that some of the stuff was made up just for the movie, like oh, the yeah. fact that he was a Hessian and stuff. Like that's actually no, part yeah, of the that, original. It's story. part of the original that's, story. Yeah, still. That the, is, the lore. Yeah. The lore is very similar. But still. the book yeah. ends when they play the prank and they chase him and throw the pumpkin at him. Yeah, that's where the book ends because yeah. he leaves town. But yeah, this whole thing. I mean, this is clearly like, what if? What if the but guy who I, wrote I Seven like, yeah. wrote Sleepy Hollow and they're using a forensics expert to go to a fucking small sleepy town and like investigate a serial killer, basically? I, I mean, like the basic premise of yeah. Headless yeah. Horseman chopping off heads. Yeah. yeah. 
that's still what he was known for, even in this in the original story. Yeah, this, like, that's this why you're afraid of him. Has an actual supernatural like twist yeah. to it. Th- this yeah. just dives into that and expands it into what you wanted it to be when you're watching the Disney movie. Yeah, um, I did notice this was produced by uh, Francis Ford Coppola in the beginning. Yes, and what's funny is when they bring up Francis Ford Coppola, it's during the carriage ride, which in the book, uh, Ichabod's already there. He's a school teacher. He's, he's hasn't lived there long, but he's more of a transplant with education and everyone seems to love him. And this though, he's on this long, creepy carriage ride from point A to point B, which is very similar to Dracula to Coppola's Dracula. And this movie is clearly in love with universal horror movies and more so hammer horror movies. Yeah, this is basically uh, Tim Burton making his version of a hammer horror movie. Yeah. He even gets like people like Christopher Lloyd uh, or Christopher Lee, Lee yeah. and uh, uh, so- someone else. Michael Gow, uh, who's mainly known for playing Alfred in the Batman movies. Yeah. He was in early, well, late, later, cheesier, schlockier, like late 60s, early 70s hammer movies. Like terror circus and shit like that he was kind of a bad guy in those movies yeah i think i read that he actually came out of retirement just to do this role because i think that's right that's what he was going for yeah because uh, i think he, he died a few years later and this is a chance to work with burton mm-hmm. again which this movie all painted all over it is a chance for people to work with burton again you've got christopher walken playing the headless horseman coming back from batman returns who, which he has the exact same haircut in this as he has in batman returns it's just not white in this yeah um you've got martin landau who is wordless in this i don't think he has a single line in this he gets beheaded in the opening and he's coming back from ed wood jeffrey jones of course has been in like every tim burton mainstay movie up to that point mm-hmm. and then johnny depp um the cast is fucking incredible in <laughs> dumbledore this. himself yeah What's his name you got michael gambon michael gambon uh, yeah. ian mcdarmid the fucking yeah, McDermott. emperor palpatine yeah. is in this and mm-hmm. has a pretty major role in it mm-hmm. this is a murderer's row of like who's who and that scene in the beginning where johnny depp goes into the the smoking parlor and sees all those guys in that one big wide shot it is like tim burton patting himself on the back and saying like i made it which i mean he'd already made it arguably inarguably yeah but having this cast of like elder statesmen character actors is proof that like I have I am making a big amalgam of universal and hammer horror with these people that no one else could would be lucky enough to get one of them. I've got like six of them in the same fucking room. So this is really a testament yeah. to Burton's filmmaking. And it's I like would argue this is the last great last excellent Burton movie. I, I would agree with that. It's like you said at the beginning, like even Christopher Lee, who has top billing in the movie, is literally only in like the first scene as One scene. the judge. But, yeah. but he does work with Burton later. Like from this point on, because he's in Willy Wonka, he plays Willy Wonka's dad and that. He works with Burton after this quite a bit. I think he's in two or three. He may be in Sweeney Todd. So what is the next project he does after this? Planet of the Apes. Planet of the Apes. I it's, didn't think that was a bad movie. Well, uh-huh. it's it. whether you like it or not, it's not a good Burton movie. Well, I mean, it might not be his style as you know it, but I remember liking that well, movie. What okay. hurts, though, is that this is his style dialed up to fucking 11. And it works. Like, in the 90s, Burton is so good. I wouldn't even put this in my top three Burtons, and I still I could watch this 100 times. This is probably one of my yeah. favorites, I think, of his. I, I, I at least watch it the most. I watch it, like, every Halloween. I've, ne- I've never seen this movie before. We watched it for this episode. And I think it's probably one of my favorite spooky movies. Really? Yeah. yeah. I would Good. say so okay. because the it has the stereotypical like Tim Burton elements that oh, you yeah. expect to see of like whimsy and kind of 
the steampunky tilted windows yeah very you know if someone pulls out a set of like a microscope or binoculars it can't just be a microscope or a binocular it's got to have 17 lenses and arms that snap into place it's got to be like someone in a community art college created right it's 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 gotta it's gotta be a fucking scalpel with a vertebrae of its own but it works in this context it it works in this because the extended explanation of what really is going on with Ichabod Crane being the constable that is sent to investigate Sleepy Hollow, who's this very scientific, uh, believing man. He's a progressive. He's yeah. not He's not into the whole supernatural elements mm-hmm. early on in the movie because he doesn't believe that the Headless Horseman is actually real. Of course it is. And it has a lot of interweaving between the other characters because the Headless Horseman is, of course, being controlled by someone else. And that's what he discovers through his investigative work. And whether or not it makes a ton of sense with, like, you kind of touched on the story element. It's like so Game of can, Thrones, you can man. Kind it gets of pick very up, convoluted very it gets fast. Very, it gets very convoluted fast. And he also does things that are like, well, why would you do that if you're a professional investigator? He but, is this sort of, like, there's these things there. I think it might even be specifically more with choices that Johnny Depp makes that sometimes I'm kind of like, eh, I don't, I don't know. Well, I think writing like he, out the highlights of your investigation shorthand in an open book in a room yeah, that's just of like, a man yeah. who you plan on that's accusing. That's just exposition dumping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So it, it, like, it's something that uh, reads well visually and, right. and paints so, the picture for so like, audience exactly, in visual it, media. Except he's already elaborating and explaining his yeah. thoughts and reasoning, so you don't really have to come back to it. But aside from all of that, You've got this heavy hitter cast of everyone who's doing solid fucking work, and you've got great practical effects. God, they're through good. Through this entire yeah. fucking thing, and you have interesting set pieces and what would honestly, I would say, arguably be one of the most boring time periods. Yeah. You've got nothing but like colonialism. Yeah, colonial. And- Early on, but that's like, such a great time period for horror that it, isn't tapped yeah, enough. It, yeah, it is not quite eighteen hundred. You and know it, what yeah. I mean? It's and it perfect. really lends itself to what I like the most about what is like Burtonism in the movie with all those whimsical elements because it still feels believable. In that, when you look at a scientific device that he pulls out, right, to like extract something from a body. Yes, it looks ridiculous, but for the time period, these are also people who would, like, put leeches on people or, you know, they would torture someone yeah. with, like, an Iron these Maiden are like, or something. Right. These are, like, the fir- the prototype of something that it's, would be normal eventually. Yeah, tie, it, it, tie a bird to your foot if you have the flu, and right. if it dies overnight, you, the fever will break. Everything right. about this movie really, like, amps up that idea of, like, what you might expect to see an architect's style drawing of a mock-up of like a prototype for a scientific instrument from the early 1800s or something like that. And this is 1799. Progressiveness versus fundamentalism. Right. It's about, we're about to lead into what is the 19th century. And Johnny Mm -hmm. Depp's character has solid reasonings, I believe for wanting to move away from torture and those types of like, 
um, I, I love that first scene where he's like talking about you know methods of like just trial and everything, and then the, the person that his uh, well, officer well, or something they just says, throw someone in a dungeon says, right behind him. <laughs> yeah, I, I need pit. to do an autopsy, and he's yeah. like, you know, but he's he's dead. He died from drowning, and it's like, well, what if he died before he was thrown into the river? And it's like, cut up a body for that? What are we butchers? Are we barbarians? We're animals? Yeah. And they bring this guy in, and it's like, <laughs> what's he in for? Like, he's a vagrant, and it's like, throw him in there, and they dump him into a bottomless pit. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's a cage, yeah, so but good. when he drops, you just hear like, ah! <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, how far down was that? There's no thought. <laughs> there's a lot of comedy in this that's yeah. like macabre, and it, it, the, it's the, very yes. fun to watch. There's a, there's a lot of comedy in this movie, and it doesn't take itself too seriously while simultaneously having great gore and violence aspects. It's an R-rated yeah. Sleepy Hollow movie, and this would have never been made R any other time, early 90s or after 99. Especially coming off of a, a cartoon Disney version. Absolutely. Like, this uh, would be PG-13, and not only is this rated R for violence, it's only rated R for violence. There is no swearing in this. There's no nudity in this. There's, there's sexual content, but that's like a PG. Bit. It's barely PG-13. PG yeah. at best. I mean, this is a lot like the early Hammer where, because later Hammer, you saw a lot of gore, but you mainly saw tits and ass. That's mainly what they were marketing on because they were kind of like fading. And Hammer early was like, well, it's all your favorites. It's the mummy. It's the Wolfman. It's Dracula. It's Frankenstein's monster. But there's going to be blood. There's going to be gore in this. And there's going to be like Technicolor and like great set design and all this shit and great cast. This is capitalizing on that of what if it's 100% just gore? We don't need the other stuff. It's excessive. And the gore in this is incredible. It's phenomenal. The beheadings in this, you can just see them They're being always, done off camera. There's always camera. like an extra step that makes me think of like the extra step in a Mortal Kombat killing. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. Like whenever he, he cuts someone's heads off, it's always like spinning on an axe. Really <laughs> yeah. A wig something. pops up or he stabs it through with a sword to pick it up. And yeah. it's like, it's like, yeah, it's like the new Mortal Kombat where it's like someone's heart gets ripped. They're like, oh, that's plenty. And then all of a sudden like it gets eaten and then he pukes it onto him and turns it into acid or something <laughs> yeah. like that. It's just... Yeah, I love the hat upon he, a hat. When he sees him for the first time and he's laying there with the head in his lap and he comes riding yeah. up thinking he's going to get him to him and then just stabs it and pulls yeah. it away. I felt like Beavis and Butthead the whole movie and just sitting there going, yes! It yes. is so <laughs> fucking good. And and I will say that the this is the last excellent Burton because I do think, I've only seen it once, but I really liked it a lot. I like Sweeney Todd a lot. The only thing I mark it off for is I'm not into musicals. Yeah. But the gore in that movie is fucking incredible. And Alan Rickman and Sasha Baron Cohen are both incredible in that movie. Like, it is an awesome, yeah. awesome follow-up to this. And that's 2007, yeah, I think. The only three, there's only, like, three that I'm, like, are in the good camp after this one. And that that's Sweeney Todd. I, I consider Big Fish a good one. Great movie. Uh, it's a great movie. I, I like that one a lot. That's uh, fine. And then there's uh, Corpse Bride is so good. It's not near as good as, like, other uh, set stop motion stuff he's been involved I haven't seen with, Corpse Bride but it's, it's still it. okay yeah, yeah it's fine but good. nothing's like this is great right um, and then after of course after those it takes a nosedive into like Dark Shadows and Willy Wonka yeah and it gets into like tough territory of like is this someone imitating Burton like on a low scale and it's like no this is Burton including that fucking Wednesday yeah. show of like Becomes really very, very Disney-fied mm -hmm. I was like, so he directed one. It's like, no, he directed all, like all of it. He handled yeah. all of this. Um, but this, though, this is him peaking, and in the best way. Like he's already contributed so much to filmdom at this point. And I mean, I would say mine are Batman, Beetlejuice, 
and Ed Wood. Those are my favorites because they're all like wildly disparate from each other and the rest of his work. But this is, I mean, if this is like fifth or something, I love Mars Attacks too. Mars this Attacks is, is still like infinitely fucking watchable. I love this yeah. movie. I don't think rewatchable watch it's just no one will do this better that's yeah. the thing if someone were to do it right now because it's been over 20 years it's been 25 years just about they're not going to do a better job than this but when you watch something like Coppola's Dracula in 92 I would say that yeah we I, probably can do better than that and I, I think I like the reason why I think no one would really do it better is because I, I feel like they would take the wrong approach of making it more about the monster right you know of making it more like a slasher film or something like that where it's it's about how gory and how much you can kill as the headless horseman. But really, this is just a tale of subterfuge and deception and, yeah. you know, operating around a list of different characters that are all interwoven and connected. And that's the central plot line to the entire piece. So if the the essential building block of why is the headless horseman there that Johnny Depp is sent to even investigate how these people are being killed and everything. Uh, it is the headless horseman and it is being controlled. Ultimately you find out that it's by the wife to the current richest man in sleepy hollow who she's been controlling the headless horseman to kill off essentially rich people and people who knew about the killing of the rich and the translation of funds and the way it would go through the hierarchy of how you yeah it's kind of you like you just a, said all that they still don't know what it, it's, it's kind of like a mundane reasoning of well, it, it's just for an inheritance or right it's, or all, about a, it's, it's all about a will it's yeah, just it's money and power it's about yeah. willing off the assets of a family to the next of kin or yeah. the person who sins of the past it yeah. is is it's supposed to go to yeah and that's it and that's all she's been doing is killing off people who either it would go to or killing off people who knew that it was going to go to someone other than her including her husband and ultimately targeting the love interest uh for johnny depp i don't even remember which is her husband's her, daughter her, her stepdaughter it's her, it's her stepdaughter yeah. and Ultimately, of course, her plans are foiled and the Headless Horseman turns on her and takes her to and hell. Since we're on Ricci, I will also draw another parallel to Coppola's Dracula and that as staggeringly good as this cast is, just like Coppola's Dracula, there are two exceptions. And in Coppola's, it's Winona Ryder and Keanu Reeves. Yeah. They are bafflingly fucking bad in that movie. And also Winona Ryder was first considered for Christina Ricci's role She in should this. be in this because this movie is so good because... The greatness is reliant upon a career up to that point, on Burton's career. I mean, this is Burton hitting that giant stride and using all the favors he's got of, yeah. we work together, uh, I'm trying this out, I'm trying that out, I've made these advents, let's let's turn them up, like I said, to 11. Christina Ricci's pretty bad in this movie. Yeah. I don't think she blinks during a single, single line of fucking dialogue. And then Casper Van Deen from fucking Starship Troopers is also in this, and he says four things yeah, the whole time. He doesn't do a whole lot, but, he, but it's not good. His look, his look is like an uber mensch, which totally works in a satire about fascism and Starship Troopers. Yeah. I don't need him in fucking Sleepy Hollow. Yeah. I don't need him in that pretty. I would even say that like Johnny Depp is, well cast but not good in every scene i agree um, yeah no, there, there are times when i did not like his performance but it doesn't really like it the whole of his performance of being squeamish and uh you know being a scientific uh, uh thinker and all that is is fine 
but I think he still fits the movie because the movie doesn't really need them to be good. It doesn't need your two he's, leads to be. It needs like, your when, character whenever actors. Whenever he's doing the investigation, I think it's really on. Like when he goes to mm-hmm. investigate the yeah. first murder. When and he's doing he his Sherlock there, like, Holmes act. Yeah, when he's doing yeah. the Sherlock Holmes act and he gets there late because he his, has a hard time working the horse and they're all just kind of waiting for him. But then the second he gets off the horse, he just goes into Sherlock mode, like yeah. you said, and right. he just starts dis- he starts deducting what happened. He's great in that. But then there's moments where like it feels like he's he's giving a kind of over the top performance that's sometimes unnecessary. He's doing Hunter S. Thompson like, from Fear and Loathing, where he's doing like the hand, <laughs> the, the the articulating and all this shit. Like and he's like, what are you doing? Where he's going man? like full Captain Jack Sparrow. I think, I think it's more or like he's or it's he's more or he's playing when he's up the, in scenes with Christina Ritchie, honestly, and he just has to be a normal person. That's not great either, yeah. but it, particularly when he's really playing up the squeamishness and the like the scaredness. Sometimes I felt like it was a little over the top, he's like gnarling his I, lips. I, I thought that yeah. stuff yeah. was fine. It's honestly just when he's got to be a normal normal person and he had and he's just stiff well let me give you this example he has after he sees the horseman the first time and he has that scene where they all come to check on him in the bed and he's like in the bed and he like won't come out and that's like he's clutching pearls yeah i think i read he's supposed to be doing an homage to something else yeah there. it's an homage like, to renfield and dracula uh, or something. No, something like it that. was something uh, else uh i can't remember. i think it was it might have been an homage to that. But he's like, he plays Cigalo. that up a little bit. And that was uh, enough. Maybe. But then he he has the dream about his mom and the flashback and everything and what happened to her and what sort of motivates him to be like the investigator that he is. And so then he comes out of that stronger and he's like, okay, this is scary, but I'm going to do whatever it takes to get to the bottom of yeah. these murders. He decide, he deducts that he's going to go through with this. So at this point you would think, okay, this is a big character arc change for him. He is overcoming the fear in order to press forward to to solve this murder and then like several scenes later when they discover the writing under the bed and that someone has been putting the mirror which i I guess christina richie's character put that in there like the protection symbol or whatever and he they see that they the reason they find is because of the spider on the ground and he like jumps up on the desk and he's like ah kill it kill it and he's getting his sidekick character the the guy's son who was oh uh, you mean uh what's his name teeth <laughs> Whatever yeah, his name the, is, like, there's the right, right, like I couldn't yeah. help but be like, why would he react like this after he's now got the willpower to stand up to a supernatural being oh, and solve the murder for spiders? <laughs> I guess like something about it felt a kind of silly. Like that? I actually, I'm more afraid of the tiny spiders than the big ones. But I think that was an homage to. Uh, oh. Oh, Jesus Christ, I'm sorry. I swear to God, I just heard a fucking Dracula. I'm sorry. Uh, Keep going, Garrett. I don't know what I heard. I I don't know if I can get back on track after that. Um, Fuck. I'll I'll get back on track. Well, I think what that that thing was an homage to that we were talking about with him in bed was the telltale heart uh, of um, him clutching the sheets in the bed. Uh, Is it? I think so. Oh, oh, fuck. I, I looked this up and I've already forgotten. to Cut this but out. Dracula. Okay. Want the next thing? <laughs> Dracula well, I, thought, I thought he does great in the scenes where he's clearly like uncomfortable with something like with blood or like a body and the way he reacts to it is like, that's fine. Sometimes when he's being really scared and he's trying to play up being really scared, I was like, okay, you you could just keep it as simple as like being uncomfortable. Well, you don't as, have to. So as, as much as I, I like the movie and I, I didn't have so much of an issue with any of like uh, Depp's parts the the things that graded me and again i did like it i thought it was a great movie i love the gore the shots the atmosphere everything i think it's really rock solid the only thing that felt very like shoehorned in and uh, needless to be there is the love angle 
is having a love interest at all. It just felt like, why? It, she, she could be removed from it entirely, and he can still land on the stepmother is the one responsible and has to be brought to justice, and it's just because he thought she was pretty for a couple minutes in an early scene that he's, like, latched onto her. Yeah, because she, do, she doesn't move the plot necessarily in any yeah, she's substantial, not, she's not plot armor in substantial any way. way. And uh, to be perfectly honest, nothing moves the plot in the first 30 or so minutes of him even doing investigative work. Because the only reason he even knows to go to the Headless Horseman site and everything is because he stumbles randomly upon the witch's hut in the West Woods. Yeah. That's it. She doesn't that's serve the, any purpose, that's really. That's the whole plot device that drives him to actually leading to real discoveries made and how he solves the murders and the control of it and the fact that he digs up the body and sees that the head is missing and he assumes that that is why... The horseman collects because he doesn't have his. Speaking of the love interest in the movie, how old is Christina Ricci at this time? I, I guess she's, she's, old, she's old enough. She's like 18 as an actress, but Johnny Depp's probably like 32. 32, yeah. yeah something. Or something here. I, 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 I mean, for the time period. In the yeah. time period, yeah. I know, but it does sometimes feel but a little weird. The fact weird. that you just saw her as Wednesday Adams like four years before this Yeah, or I mean, what was she in this before? Casper? Like yeah, sixteen-year-old kid or something. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's a little mm, weird. But, um, okay. but, but that's that's I agree the big with you. yeah. That's the big thing that just graded me about the movie that I thought could totally be removed. And you know, maybe it's just because Johnny Depp's pretty, and now, you want to have here's, someone. Here's the angle they may have been going for, though, is that he's so nebbish and scared, and I mean, that's the character of Ichabod Crane. That maybe she's the thing that sort of gives him strength and gives him bravery. But the scene where he fucking attacks the headless horseman is a scene she's not even in. It's a scene with Braun, with Casper Van Dien, and it's like, dude, he's telling him, don't attack him, he doesn't want to kill you, leave it alone, and right. he still's like, well, I guess we're fighting the thing the, now. The only thing that she really does for him in the movie is that she resembles his mother. His mother, the backstory for his character and why he is against basically this harsh capital punishment is because his mother was a witch... Uh, or just a dru like druidic style spellcasting woman. A child born of nature. Yeah, is what he says. yeah, 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 yeah. And his father was a vehement evangelical who used the guise of Christianity or Catholicism, whatever, as his judge, jury, and executioner, and basically tortured his mother in an Iron Maiden. And he was also scarred when he found her. Uh, body and so, his, his mother is played by lisa marie who tim burton was married to at the time and one of the weirdest looking women to ever fucking grace the planet she's the one that was in mars attacks that plays the alien woman with the purse that walks all silly oh really? yeah really? yeah yeah, yeah. Right, yeah really he cool. sneaks her yeah. into a lot of his stuff but yeah so, she plays so, his mother in this. so uh the 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 love interest what is her Christina name in the, in the movie oh uh yeah. what, what katrina it? robert yeah Katrina. Uh, it is Katrina. Yeah, Katrina. Yeah. Her being there is only to resemble his mother. And the, in the fact that she's casting protection spells, even though he gets gaslit by they Teeth even, Boy. They even draw that visual metaphor at the beginning with the, her blindfolded kissing him. And then they show her his mom do that to him in the flashback. Yeah. Right. And so it kind of gives a weird... Uh, element of is he attracted to his mother for a second a well, he, he longs like for that. his mother yeah. because yeah. she was taken from him and, and she yeah. resembles her and that's really 
it, but you don't know that initially when they first meet and they do the whole love interest locking eyes lingering type thing. Uh, you don't know any of that. I wish None of that is established. I, I, I wish Richie right? resembled his mom from What's Eating Gilbert Grape. <laughs> <laughs> that would be way better. <laughs> so that's really my biggest bone to pick with it because aside from that, it's fun and cool. Yeah. Like when they go to that tree and the fucking horseman bursts out yeah. of that fucking trussy. It is yeah. so Which, good. Sweet, By the way, that tree, uh, you can also find something like that in Mike's backyard, only inside of it is a bunch of real doll parts. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Are, there are, are, is it all the good parts, yeah, like me, the arms? <laughs> let me argue against that There real are quick. other parts of his reasoning that I couldn't wrap my head around to, like in the very right up to the very last act of the movie, after her father dies, Horseman kills her in the church where he throws the the church wooden fence post through him and pulls him through the window, which is a great fucking Which is scene. fucking yeah. sweet. Yeah, looks so yeah. cool. Yeah. You see it's like, about yeah. to happen. He can't, yeah, go so past, he can't go past that gate. He's got an issue. He got, he can't get on holy ground or whatever. Maybe that spell's working. As Matt. He can't get into the church. His solution is to take a fucking stake from the ground and throw it through the window and pull his victim to him. The fact that it's actually part of the church, so yeah. it yeah. works. This is great. And, yeah. and it's great, yeah. too, because this, this movie really doesn't do a ton of jump scares like there's a there's a couple easily in there like the witch's face yeah the witch's face which is just lifted right out of some beetlejuice looking shit it is just wacky shit but that's burton wacky for you right 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 but the the like horrific elements and everything you just fucking see them coming He's charging oh, at yeah. someone with a sword, or yeah. he's he's about yeah. to impale the guy and pull him through the fence, or he's sitting there it's scythe horri- fighting it's horrific a guy. Because you know whatever happens, no, no one can stop any of it. No, there's like a T one thousand. I mean, yeah. there's nothing you can yeah. do to stop Which, this thing. I mean, it, I'm actually, glad. it it it, it lends something to the idea of like how jump scares can be overdone and oh, yeah. less good because uh, the fact that yeah like you say you see it coming and that you can't stop it it actually just makes it better because there's that anticipation yeah. that tension you're like sure. oh this is about to be good and, yeah. and also yeah. when, when you have a long shot that's just sitting there lingering like when he's doing the fighting with bronze character with the dual scythes and he's just sword fighting him when you have that shot that just lingers there and you're just seeing them whack at each other just swing and whip and these blades are twirling and then just in an instant you see him carved in half yeah. and flop over. It's like, yeah. that is fucking sweet as shit. Yeah, you think, <laughs> well, well he'll get his head cut off or something. No, he gets fucking yeah, bisected. He it's severs great. him in yeah. half and then does the thousandth weapon twirl of the movie Yeah, where he goes... It happens so many times. He, well, yeah, but he so rolls. earned those weapon Oh, it, oh, it yeah. rolls. Because he, he does so many great kills. And yeah. let me Blade, tell you. Take notice. He is and and such, that is, uh, that's Ray Park doing the, uh, the Yeah, the guy that played Dark Ball. Ball. Right. He is such exactly. a cooler v- villain, too, because he has no head. Because if it was Christopher Walken's face <laughs> on his yeah. I keep expecting him to go, meh, like some Skeletor shit or something. Yeah, you know what another good noise would be? The visuals are so incredible in the movie. But the point I was trying to make earlier was... Is that a werewolf? That's Jesse talking. Jesse doesn't even recognize the werewolf. He's like, that's just in my backyard all the time. Sorry, I had to stop and just give a shout for a second. But... So the point I was trying to make earlier was that scene after that happens when her when Katrina's father gets killed and then she faints and you see that she's drawn a protection spell on the ground. And so Johnny Depp and the rest of the town comes to the conclusion that she's the one responsible for the killings. Mm-hmm. But that never made any sense to me because 
why would she kill her own father? That that was the yeah. same question I had, right? And and the only even though you very clearly see that the stepmother is like a dubious character right. while she's in there gardening and the headless horseman is like obviously not targeting her. Yeah. It, it but he doesn't know that. Oh, right? they, don't, they don't try to hide it at all. They no, don't they don't no, try no, to no, obfuscate no. that the stepmother's clearly evil. Like I love the scene where Johnny Depp is is pulling the covers up to his face and he's terrified and he says something about like the headless horseman is real. It's re- it's really a thing. And then that guy leans in, Ian McDarmid leans in and he goes I know that's why you're here. And it's <laughs> yeah. like, like you can fix this for us. This is a problem. And the Headless Horseman is such like a force to be fucking reckoned with that like they had to figure out how to give it a handicap of why wouldn't it just kill everyone that it comes across? And it is the answer is if it doesn't want you, it doesn't target you. You yeah. can literally walk up and attack. You can she, shoot it with a gun. She speaks a name, and and that's who the target is. Yeah, because otherwise, you've unless got the, you're in his way and actively stopping him from reaching actively, the target. Act, right. which is why that guy gets cut in half with a sword because right. he's actively yeah. stopping. It, it was like three strikes you're out too, because I mean he shoots him and it's like I'll just walk right past you while yeah. you're loading your musket. He throws a knife in his leg yeah. and walks away. Nothing. He's like, like I don't want to hurt you. I mean, this is literally the T1000 in like Jamestown. Like, how the fuck do you like? How do you even the playing field out here? Yeah. But I but I am glad that you brought up that he's like the T one thousand because <laughs> the the st- this this just happens because it's like oh wouldn't it be like silly looking if this happened during the carriage ride when Johnny Depp and him are fighting on the carriage and there's a whole like I'm holding on to it scraping across the ground Johnny Depp oh, jumps on oh, me and then yeah. He pulls it. yeah. yeah. Right before this, Johnny Depp blows up a windmill yeah. with the headless horseman in it, and he just walks out. Comes out like, and so, yeah, like, like, and a, so, like a truck wreck in, yeah, t- in T2. And so yeah. what, is, what does he do to answer for this mass monster who is just twirling blades, lopping people in half? He just fucking... He, Ah, and get like he's riding on top of the carriage, and the guy accidentally yeah. hits the fucking braces or something, and he's like grabbing onto the carriage, getting dragged across, and Johnny Depp ends up on his horse, and they do this whole fucking like, oh, you almost got me, like this little fucking ride through the woods, <laughs> and the headless horseman is just like this goofball, which is apparently the longest com- sequence like, to yeah. shoot in the movie. The too. It's yeah, because he's literally like he can just put his hands on you, and I mean he can pick you up and like throw you around like a fucking ragdoll but he can't get his hands on Johnny Depp Johnny Depp's like one of those guys playing a Soulsborne game who just stays by your feet and keeps and, rolling yeah, yeah. and the boss just can't seem to get a hold of you somehow because that's what he's doing he's just sort yeah. of like he's uh, emoting uh, and it's accidentally dodging the hitbox <laughs> like, I'm between doing. your legs you can't get me yeah the guy cannot seem to like exact a fucking direct strike on Johnny right. Depp well he John, can't, he can't see him because he don't got no head oh that's shit that's, about that's, yes. that's what it is that's okay like, this is the longest right. sequence to shoot in the movie, too, right? From what I understand, it, 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 it took, really took several weeks to do yeah. this yeah. carriage ride. Per, per a fucking Hammer tradition, like you have to have a big like set piece that takes place on a carriage. But they managed to do the set piece on the carriage, the universal like James Wellian fucking Frankenstein windmill yeah, scene. You gotta have a windmill directly. Uh, uh, Frankenstein yeah, reference. From, and, yeah, and then you still have one more set piece at the end by the tree. I mean, this last twenty minutes is like inexhaustible I mean it goes on and on and it reminds me a lot I didn't think of it until this time um, of another movie that came out a few years before and that it's darkly violent but also comedic and the last 20 minutes is one set piece after another has anyone seen Peter Jackson's The Frighteners 
Yes. Mm -hmm. It's a lot like the end of that, where most of the movie's pretty light, even though it's kind of comic, but it is like a... It is like an unstoppable, like, dark Avenger in that movie. Right. And then by the end, it goes from being comedy to, like, this is yeah, getting pretty serious. Turn. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's always kind of dark, you know, just with the very premise. Right. But it's, it's full of humor and but whimsy. Yeah, both like movies have kind of, like, a light touch with, yeah. between Michael J. Fox and Johnny Depp. And then, like, this big, giant cast in, like, a rainy, sort of, like, seaside town sort of feel to it. And not that there's, this is by the sea here, but it's set in New it York. It looks perpetually no, wet. Right. It, yeah, it's like mm. a, it's one of those towns that's always foggy. So much fog in this movie, and it's a small town where everyone knows everybody, and mm. you you basically yeah. know all the characters. But the, the budget for the fog in this movie must have been astronomical. Insane. Oh, it started at the credits because yeah. it fucking fades in and out on every single name. I love those credits, it's, man. It's so I, weird. I do, I do love those credits. Like, like once the once uh, Christopher Lee sends them in there, and then the carriage ride starts, and Danny Elf. Oh, music starts Danny playing. Elfman, man. And that whole sequence is like, oh yeah, I'm in for a fun. Well, like, this is a Halloween Johnny movie. Depp yeah. and Christina Ricci's it shows names. It the, uh, the Scarecrow from Nightmare Before yeah, Christmas yeah. out there. Uh, their two names are like reflected in the river they're going by. Yeah. And then like, instead of sticking with that one mode, every time they switch to a different shot, the credits that they're showing, be it Christopher Lee or Jeffrey Jones or whoever, they're like adapting to whatever, like leaves blowing in the wind or whatever. They keep doing different things with the credits. So even that is like not lazy filmmaking. They're getting inventive. Except for the title of Sleepy Hollow itself, I thought was funny. Like it's the one background like against the tree or whatever, but it's mostly sky. It's like the one text that's kind of hard to read. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's pretty good. It's weird that Danny Elfman doesn't get more credit for this score though because you think about it. It's incredible. Like it it is so iconically Elfman Burton collaboration stuff yeah. that's like is this one of the last times they worked together for yeah, a while it, I don't know but it doesn't sound like a lot of his other stuff it sounds yeah. you know similar and has the same vibe but it's it's distinct enough where you're like yeah this doesn't I don't think he's ripping off himself maybe that's the reason it also reminds me of Frighteners I think Elfman did the score for Frighteners too mm. it has the, a very Tim Burton feel to it the, the fog is so good too because it's by the end of the movie after we have the whole like the evildoer does their speech and miraculously orphan boy with the big teeth finally hits her in the back of the head with a stick. At no point did anyone just go bang. He carries around that pistol in like five different scenes. He never used it. (laughs) He gets shot by it. Yeah. Yeah, He gets shot. But finally they, they throw the uh, head back to the headless horseman and it comes back as Christopher Walken with nasty teeth <laughs> and yeah. he picks up the the stepmom and rides her into hell i love that but the, yeah. which is sweet as shit we'll come back to it but when they when they cut to like now the headless horseman's dealt with the fog being absent is so fucking apparent maybe that's it, intentional though yeah. of like the fog's it, lifted it absolutely yeah. is yeah. Yeah. but there's just like little sheep bleeding in the background yeah. and everything's like golden toned all yeah. of a sudden like the color correction got positive it's become so bright they took the blue filter <laughs> yeah. off fucking everything I mean, that, that's, that's yeah. a decision being made though yeah. that's not like that's not like a, a, a continuity error or something no like that. no no, no. But it, it's they, just so funny that like this town is just like fuck man can we get a day of sunlight like, who, who, is, who is left in that town by the way like i think everyone's run away all yeah. the women are like still around and it's just like it's like a post-apocalyptic town now i do like in this movie though that no one is spared 
Like no. the oh, scene with the family, the dude. Oh, yeah. The scene with the family with the, uh, the oh, yeah. midwife, that and is, he comes in, kills the husband, kills the wife as the kid like watches. And yeah, then, he's like under the full warts. Yeah. And you think when he walks away, you're like, okay, well, I guess they're gonna spare the kid. And he turns fucking, around. Yeah, he turns <laughs> around, <laughs> fucking pulls that kid up, and it cuts him stuffing a head in the yeah. bag. Yeah. And that, that's the scene where he and Ron fight him afterwards or yeah. whatever. They did like have the right to, uh, for writing purposes, they, they had uh, to keep from being an X-Rating, they had to cut that shot of him stuffing the head in the bag shorter. Because gotcha. it was yeah. like him actually stuffing that kid's head. head. Yeah. 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 I, I really thought for a minute, and I was like, they're going to show him lop this kid off. This is going to be it. This is going to be one of the first movies where I've ever seen a monster just murder a kid. Was yeah. it Tim Burton or... I got a little spooky there. That sounded like uh, a heavy chain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That sounded like a heavy <laughs> chain. <laughs> that was? Yeah. Did, um, was that Harambe? I think it was it Tim Burton or... Um, Somebody, one of the producers, somebody made the argument for that scene too, right? That they originally, they weren't sure if they were going to do that or not. And somebody made the comment of how they felt like it was stupid that kids are never killed in any yeah, horror that, like that's this. Why, that's how Tim Byrne argued for, yeah. that, for that scene. I agree. I, I, I would, yeah, I would agree. I mean, that, it's like, it, it, it makes sense. Yeah. If, if he's supposed to be an unstoppable monster who... I've clearly has no sense of like moral code or anything because right. the people dying off, like, yeah, some of the early ones are these rich people who might've done wrong by some people that originally inhabited the land as you come a- to find out. But then he turns on the, the, the widow who they talk about who was pregnant and yeah. who is clearly stabbed in the belly. And it's like, Oh, well, okay. Then this thing cl- has no fucking right. moral it's compass. A, it's a monster. Yeah. It's a monster. No. Like you said, that is, it's a slave to the will of someone else. Right. It's, it's there yeah, to do just, bidding. It's a yeah. creature from hell. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and that's really it. And so if that's the story that you're telling, well then it really shouldn't matter who's on the fucking paper. It only right. matters it's if it, they're, if they're on the paper. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and they, they stay true to that. And I get that, you know, for ratings purposes, you can't explicitly show certain stuff. But I thought, wow, this is going to be a graphic fucking movie because my, like, uh, idea of, like, Tim Burton films and everything is nothing this gory. Yeah. Like, in hey, the back of my mind, I'm thinking, like... I guess this okay. and uh, Sweeney Todd are probably his goriest, I mean, right? Mar- Mars Attacks has, like, I a lot of Batman death Returns in it, but it's not... Returns is pretty gory, too. What is? Batman Returns. It's not like this. Not though. quite like this, but it has gore in it. And I don't know why. I think I read maybe a lot of the, the technical design crew was the same crew that worked on the Batman movies, but... Something I mean, about something about this movie in particular reminded me so much of Batman Returns. And I don't mean just because it's Tim Burton and it's a lot of his design, but something about the way it feels, the pacing of I, it. I think that what, the, what it is for me is that everything lets all of those moments breathe. You know, I know early on in the first headlop that you see is very quick and cut and you don't really see the horsemen and everything. But the ones thereafter when the horseman is being really violent, it has a slow wind-up. And you get to see the aftermath immediately after and it, it, it takes its time with it. And I feel like that's the coolest thing about how vicious it is at times what's your favorite head cut 
My well, I I would say the head cuts aren't even my favorite. My favorite killing is Braun being cut in half. Okay, okay. My my favorite head lopping is not even when the horseman does. My favorite head lopping is when Miranda Richardson kills her witch sister because she's so witchy and white mm. and like just like pale that when she lops the blood, like the the disparity between the blood and and the white is so apparent and it seems like nastier i guess that's because they had to make a decision of well when she lops it she's not cauterizing anything she's lopping with an axe and when the headless horseman does it it's cauterizing the wound immediately even though there's a little bit of arterial spray it's not a lot right that head lopping though is so nasty and that's in the exposition dump she does in the windmill at the end yeah Mm -hmm. So it's almost at the end, and it's like, I've seen all the head loppings. I think I'm good. I've gotten my fill. And that last one, I noticed this particular watch. It's like, God, that's a fucking good one. This is incredible for 99. Like, whatever CG work they put into this, they must have done everything right there besides the the obvious stuff. Christopher Walken's face reforming. I was going to say, some of that, face. as silly as a couple of seconds of that look, when, when Christopher Walken, the horseman, gets yeah. his head back and it starts reforming the skin and the muscle around it. Yeah, it's, yeah it's like reverse Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But I'll give him credit, though. Like This is the year the fucking Matrix and the Mummy came out. And it's like, they're really restrained on their CG for this. And Burton could easily get away with this, but Burton also has the clout as a director and his experience to like, let's go practical, like almost entirely with this. I miss this kind of filmmaking. I mean, just just reading about this movie and the way the the set design looked and how much they did, like you're saying, the fog, the the number of fog machines that they had to have and the tubes to be able to create that around the town. And the fact that, the way that they lit the church and the lights that they used on a crane was so directly overhead and so bright that the surrounding area around the set, people thought they were UFOs or some shit like that. It was like, just, you just don't see shit like no. that anymore. I, they don't I, do yeah, that anymore. What, it, what I would expect more from like a standard movie of this type of ilk is when you would see someone's head get lopped off or the guy fighting with the horseman and getting cut in half there'd be like seven more cuts of shit just like swiping or slashing yeah. or, right, or exactly. jumping to a new like angle or hiding some type of element of it yeah. and i feel like it just really is so much more impactful when it sits there, just straight shows it to you. Yeah, just and then literally the just brutality cr- happens. Yeah. And then you just get to watch and there's nothing but a limp, lifeless body as this dude just stops, stands up straight, whirls, whirls. and then walks away. And <laughs> yeah. it's like, fuck, man, that is so much cooler. This is gonna sound like overly sentimental. I'm not gonna do this very often, but it makes me happy in a in a portion of me. I'm such a film history guy. I love fucking movies. That when these guys that are in this movie who don't have a lot to do, these elder statesman character actor guys, mm-hmm. not Johnny Depp, because Johnny Depp is the bulk of the movie. He's in every scene, just about every yeah. single scene. So these guys that he gets, these mainstay like character actor guys, they don't have a lot to do. But with the scenes they're in, they're great, and they they steal the fucking scene entirely. It makes me happy in my heart of hearts, though, to know that they showed up to a movie called Sleepy Hollow in 1999, and they got to these sets, and it's like, not a blue screen fucking present. Right. This is probably the way that they would have done it, working in the British theater back in the 70s, the 60s, even the 50s, some of these guys. Yeah. And it's like, this is the way it would have been done, and this is on a large scale, because those Hammer Horror movies, and Universal movies especially... 
they were shooting movies as they were tearing the set down from a previous picture. Like, we already have a castle up from this thing. It's high budget. We're tearing it down tomorrow. Let's shoot two B pictures in here, Roger Corman style, overnight. And they'll look good for one or two scenes. And then the rest of it, we're, we're on a budget. That's what this is, but on a grand scale of spare no expense. Create not only woods yeah. that look incredible, yeah. but They built the interiors. whole town up to, up to the interiors and the and the exteriors. And the, the, that fog is really like uh, the cinematographer was grateful for the fog because it like helps create depth of these sets that would not look as big as, sure. they, wor- as they would if you didn't have that fog. Yeah, right. I and mean, just, it kind of does what they did with, with Silent Hill in 99 of like, well, we, we can't show any sort of like depth of field with this. We can't show like... Yeah. So it only goes so by, far. Right. Before like we can't process an open world anymore. So obfuscated by fog. Uh, atmospheric pressure. Exactly. <laughs> your <laughs> your deep cut. sign up for Patreon. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, the only thing I would change in this movie though with casting is I would put... I would put Winona Ryder in there in Christina Ricci's role, not only to have her older, but just because, I don't know, it'd be nice to see her and Johnny Depp get together again before Burton turns a corner and starts making mainstream movies. And I, I like Miranda Richardson a lot in this. I think she's really fucking good in this as the stepmom. Uh, she's not in a lot. She's in The Crying Game. She plays the evil IRA woman in that, and she's really good in that movie. But she's kind of just a British actress. I would have had Catherine O'Hara in this is that role, the mom from Beetlejuice. It would have been nice to see her play a really over-the-top character one more time in a Burton movie. Mm. I think I think I would have pegged her as a villain quicker, though. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I would say I my, my only thing that I would probably change about the movie is to completely remove the love interest aspect and have more of the stepmom early on so that yeah. it feels more like a dupe more when earned. you finally figure it out yeah. that it's her pushing the... I can, entire I can completely agree with that. I that. mean, she's part of the reason you wouldn't figure out the mystery, it feels like, through the whole movie is because she's never there. So she's you would in never, the first 40 minutes. Right, right. Yeah. You, you really know as little as Depp does because it's really not, It's there's no content to be revealed to you as to who is responsible right. for it until... Yeah. Till Act Three, you, no, you know? and in a way, it's, it's kind it's of by design, you know, just yeah, sure, hold, yeah, the, yeah, hold the yeah, nut from yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, but it, it basically but says she was fucking say... this person here and seducing this person there and stealing right. this thing. Because so, if they had too much of her, then you would have to explain. I, I, but it, I, I do. But I will yeah. say, in that way, it falls short of other like thriller mystery movies suspenseful that, this is yeah. like because it, it it should give you all the pieces from the beginning like a good clue type mystery movie would give you the ability to solve it if you were really paying attention from maybe the that's beginning. Andrew oh, well, Kevin Walker though the yeah. writer because at the end of seven what is the end of that it's a guy coming and saying if I hadn't turned myself into you you would have never fucking yeah, caught you, me you ne- True, at seven yeah. you never had any of the information no. because it's just some guy right and, yeah. and I, I don't mean that like the way it was done was bad I just think in an effort to make it, like you said, more of a fuck, man, that really did all tie together really well. But the thriller on, aspect. on the other end of that, I would say, like, if you had such, like, a cohesive uh, mystery that you could, that was taking up all of your, like, mental capacity while you're viewing it, then I don't know if the horror elements would stand out and... I don't I mean, know. Maybe. I don't know if they could breathe together. Maybe I think you have I, to really kind I at of least like found one has to be a little lower than the other one. Maybe well, I mean I'm not saying it's it's bad as a result. I just think that 
personally, the entire time I was watching the movie, I was trying to solve the mystery the whole Same. time. Really? Same. Uh, Same. So yeah. no, every time no, I watch I, this, I'm I, like, I, I no. don't remember what the actual reason. It's is. Like mystery doesn't matter. This is no. this movie's all atmosphere. It's and head lopping. <laughs> it's like watching gore. Batman Returns, which I watched that a year ago for the first time in 20 years, and I forgot that like Batman Returns is a political satire about yeah. a Trump adjacent. It's about a, it's about a literally getting a guy, positioning a guy that's a fucking actual mutant monster, and the heir apparent to the throne at that point is a guy that looks like Trump Jr. It's Andrew Brynarski. It's like this big, polished Patrick Bateman-looking guy. And so they put a guy yeah. on the stand. It's way more All the King's Men than it is a Batman movie. Batman's barely in that fucking so movie. So what, uh, what right. I would say but is... I, if, you, if you... Sorry, uh, there's one well, more the, thing the, about that. The point is you watch it for Batman and Catwoman, and then yeah. you forget, like, oh, this is a political satire. Uh, but what, what, what I was saying, like, if you if you had such, like, every, if you tied all the story beats together where you could, like, f- solve the puzzle as you're going along, at the end of the day, the puzzle was still just, like... Oh, fucking last will and testament Agreed. inheritance yeah it's like yeah. well that's not very it's not a very original or satisfying into the puzzle because well, that's not where you're there for that's that's kind of what i mean in that i i think that could have been developed more and substituted in for where there are scenes of like the love interest aspect again that that's not in there a ton during the movie but to me it Too feels much. unnecessary yeah, and i would I prefer agree. something that i would latch onto more i know you guys have seen the movie before and you've seen it multiple times and you already know the puzzle I you never, already know i never the thought elements. about it and but I, you're right though you're absolutely I, right this is the first time i've ever seen it yeah so i don't know the story and to be perfectly honest i don't really fucking remember much about the sleepy hollow tale other than the fact that there is a headless horseman going into it my knowledge on the subject is like nil almost other than the fact that there's a headless rider and so for me an interesting element of it is that well this is the first time i get to experience it and i would like to know what is this mystery that needs to be solved because half the fucking movie is spent towards developing and curating a mystery to be solved. That's Johnny Depp's entire character. He's right. a constable. That, He's there why, to investigate. That's the whole purpose. I want to yeah. investigate with him. I never thought about it until just in fucking now, but why they got Andrew Kevin Walker to write this He's for seven. them? Because he made seven, right? Yeah, he he basically made another seven but, with a but, supernatural. But bed. what 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 is the main thing in this movie? <laughs> Huh? Just keep up with me here. Yeah. What's uh, the main thing in this movie? Did you just catch it? I just What's in the box? It's the one getting her head lopped off. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, <laughs> fuck, is that the reason they hired him for this? Like, yeah, he's the uh, the guy who, uh, you know, chops people's heads off in stories. It's like, is that the reason he got this? <laughs> I would not be at all surprised if that was exactly it. Well, that's that's where the whole criteria. That's where yeah. the phone call came yeah. from. Like, hey, would you be interested in doing if, a sleepy if hollow movie? you seven, like how fucking expertly crafted that thing is, because it's more of a buddy movie than anything else it's yeah. not it's the the plot is secondary Buddy almost. Cop movie. so you you seem kind of surprised when you looked it up how much fucking money did this thing make okay so how much was it made for anyone take a guess 20 million oh no no no, no. mostly fog 60 no yeah. uh just off 70 million dollars is what it was okay for. Which, Wait, you know, i mean they is built it, the it, whole town is that to the sense. cast yeah well oh yeah yeah yeah. they yeah. built the entire yeah. fucking yeah. town oh, yeah. Okay, that no. makes yeah. sense well half of that's the fog a lot of production <laughs> a lot of production 10 million went into Christopher Walken's teeth <laughs> hairspray and fucking fangs black uh, dye does anyone want to guess how much it made worldwide uh 
200. Well, you are on the money today. Two, is it 207 million dollars worldwide. Wow. Wow. This thing was a massive success. Fuck. Yeah. So, yeah. Did, yeah, that's Jesus Christ. Clearly people liked it. Clearly but, 200 million is yeah. like I I mean I know like you, you know right like comparative wise they you know you're netting like 130 which we've covered other movies yeah. that have netted a similar amount but still breaking 200 mil yeah. is like fuck. Now I don't know if that's that's counting for inflation and all that stuff from the time. I don't think it is. I think it's, it's probably. I think that's two hundred. Like that money. That yeah. That, money. It's not adjusted box office numbers. That is two hundred and seven worldwide back in ninety nine. So, yeah. Yeah. It's wow. Like, yeah. That's yeah, that's seventy million. That's not bad. You know what though? I say that clearly. People liked it. I don't think a lot of people do like it. People don't seem to hold it in a high regard. I mean, when you talk to people one on one. I think subjectively most people like it, but if you look back at what it was, I think it was considered kind of like a, a less than Burton movie. In it's, fact, it's, it's it's one of those that's kind of like a hidden gem of his. It's yeah. like people remember it. Like I remember it. if we had talked about it before watching it, I would say like, yeah, I remember it. I remember it being okay. But then after watching it again, I was like, this is better than I remember it. Being. Yeah. This is the first, first time yeah. I've ever seen it. And I like Tim Burton shit, but I would say it's right up there with probably top three shit. I, Absolutely. And I, I think you yeah. listed that it would be in your yeah. top three. I mean, it's, it's the only of his that I watch every year. So Yeah. And, and I think most of the time when you ask people, like, what's your favorite Burton movie? A lot of times I hear Sweeney Todd. But I don't like fucking musicals. Yeah. yeah. And this, that's why it's not... Yeah. That's why Sweeney Todd's it's, not in my it's top It's very story. good yeah. for even even people that don't like musicals will still say, yeah, right. I like it. Right, which but is I'm what Mike said. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it a lot. But, yeah. but yeah. I would say this is, yeah, right up there for me, too. Sweeney I, Todd I mean, is one of those others that's like, you almost expect him to make. That's one of those that's like, they, they would come and beg Tim Burton to make. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like, please, you yeah. would be great for if this. If we're going to get anybody to make it, we're going to get You're going to get you, Yeah. But yeah, I, I think a, a lot of people don't really seem to care for this. I mean, I guess critically, it's sort of panned. I think it's kind of like an amateur move by Burton. But then again, I mean, what is it, like you said, I mean, just the set design alone, oh God. costume design, is it, like it won two Academy Awards. Yeah, for I mean, yeah. Like, this should not be overlooked. Bringing as far as bringing to life like childhood, you know, tales or you know, like whimsical like story. Uh, poems and shit. I mean, I think this is just as good as any of the shit Disney would pump out. Yeah. And it's like what we were saying earlier. It's wild to me that this movie came off of a Disney cartoon. Like, yeah. I feel like that would not happen today. No. Disney would be like, no. 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 Absolutely, absolutely With not. With their claws around everything? Yeah. Absolutely not. No. 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 But, but I mean, Sleepy Hollow's not, it's, it's, a story that's not a yeah, Disney a story. I mean, if, yeah. if they had like a, a category on Disney Plus that says if you like dismemberment, I mean, may, maybe <laughs> that would fit on there. But no, Disney. There's no way they would go anywhere don't, near. What they doing will. Like don't this. put it past them. We'll get there. Yeah. Overall, a great movie. I think everyone's in agreement. And um, yeah. it's, it's not a sleeper. I'll cut right before that. Change it. <laughs> <laughs> It was late one night in the castle of the Chicken McNuggets. What are you making? Sauce. We're using my mummy's recipe. Mummy? Uh-oh. This better be good. It'll be great. Hmm, does your daddy have a recipe? Uh. <laughs> we said it before and we'll say it again. Stay close to the phone from 6 to 10. Covered with goosebumps biting your nails? Guess you want more of Sneak Scary Tales. 
And when the old man turned around, behind him, hanging on the door handle, was a decade worth of shit that he thought if he revisited would make him happy again or feel anything at all and not just be a giant waste of time. But it wasn't. Today we're covering Hey Arnold, Nickelodeon show that aired from October 1996 through June 2004. Started as a series of claymation shorts by show's creator Craig Bartlett, who's also the brother-in-law of Simpsons creator Matt Groening. And also features the voice of Homer, Dan Castellaneta. Please do not keep reading. Oh my God. (laughs) Who was the voice of Arnold's grandpa? Which makes a lot of sense. He was the guy that does the voice of Homer. Dan Castellaneta? Yeah. Yeah. I know that. Which makes sense. He was always, I thought, the best character on the show anyway. We watched season four, episode 14, which features the Headless Cabby and Friday the 13th. Is it Cabby or Caddy? Cabby. 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 Okay. Yeah, like first, cab driver. You didn't watch the episode? No, I The did. first story, Headless Cabby, is Arnold hosting a sleepover with his friends. They tell some scary stories. Arnold tells us a particularly spooky story about a cabby. And they go to the park to look for her dog. And the cabby scarf gets wrapped around a tree and decapitates him. Then the kids decide to go to the same park to get ice cream and get scared along the way. So when he told the story, did he just read it off of something, or did he just kind I of wing just it? Put the phone yeah. um, down, Jesse. Yeah. How, how did he do it? Yeah. Oh my god! In, in your own that words. was not even in, 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 your, Jesse, in your own words. Just tell us the outline of this. Of the. Episode. Oh my gosh! Okay, a kid has a football head, and he has a football head, and his head is with a football. <laughs> Jesus, headless cabbie was about Arnold having a sleepover for his friends they tell some spooky stories to each other okay it's getting good <laughs> oh, arnold oh, tells yeah. a spooky there's story some emotion there's emphasis on things spooky story about a cabbie that leads a woman on a coach through the park looking uh-huh. for her dog oh what happens and then he gets his scarf wrapped around a tree oh. and it decapitates him. a scarf oh. rips his fucking head off yeah, it's, it's, it's a off. scarf made of yeah. fucking razor blades so all the kids are nice and scared so then they decide to go walk through the same said park to go get ice cream uh-huh. and they all get freaked out by a bunch of stuff on the way that's similar to that's the story kind of similar yeah but I, uh, it's just their imaginations and then at the end well we'll get oh. to it we'll get to it i have a question okay yeah uh, I did not like Hey Arnold as a kid. Yeah, that's didn't, all right. Didn't care for. I just it's just not was not part of the lineup I liked in the late nineties. Yeah, just, it was too earnest or you're sincere. You're like thirty years old by this point. Okay, so. all right. well that that's the level of humor they do too. I always thought it was okay. It was fine. You know, it's whatever. I watched more like Ah Real Monsters and like Angry, Angry Beavers and shit like that. But it's whatever. So I'm not super familiar with the cast in this. Um, there's a kid named Harold. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's the a, a big chunky he's kid. The, he's the he's typically the bully character. Right. The yeah. big kid. Well, he's like the the sympathetic bully character because there's a real yeah. bully character and then there's Who's this the older bully kid. Character. The right. older kid is the real bully. This is yeah. more like the Nelson kind of Simpsons thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Sometimes he's like part Nelson. of the group. Yeah. yeah. I have a question. Um, his belly button. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, is that an elbow? Sticking out because it's a baby thumb. Audis make me fucking sick. <laughs> Let me tell you something. If if I were if I were to meet like when I was single, if I were to meet the love of my fucking life, and I mean like this is simpatico, this is perfect, stars align, 
And he has a girlfriend now that he's been months. with for years. He's like, if I ever met no, the I woman, said, I, meant, I meant when she dies pretty soon. Yeah. If I were she, to meet, she, she does have an Audi, but he like makes her cover it up with yeah. bandages, with, with yeah. a scarf made of yeah. piano He's not wire. talking about her because yeah. when she graduates, she's gone. I wrapped a scarf around the first six feet of it and sent her on a cab ride through Central Park. No, if I were to, if I were to meet someone like that, and it's like everything's perfect, and then I were to find out. She she has an Audi. And I mean, like, I mean, like, a fucking turkey leg from the state fair. Either end. I, either end. That would just be a deal breaker. I'm sorry. Go back to Hey Arnold. Well, so the other part, the, this Hey Arnold episode, it's actually two separate stories. Two there is one, which is the headless cabbie, and the second one is Friday the 13th, which is a episode structured entirely around breaking superstitions and getting years of bad luck by doing bad things, and Arnold and his friend Gerald right. just play into that it's friday uh, the 13th and so everyone's being overly superstitious but arnold just refuses to acknowledge the holiday and everyone's like well you better yeah they're like yeah. oh you better watch out and he's like it's nothing and so then the actual real school bully challenges him to do to break every bad superstitious thing that he can and so him and gerald do everything that they can think of and that pisses the bully off and so then Which he decides the bu- the to bully start is 37 i mean he's, <laughs> yeah he, he's got cargo like, shorts like he, he looks is. like a wall street investor <laughs> like a day trader a and these kids are like 11 arguably he's got a mullet and elf ears he looks vindictive <laughs> he, yeah. he, is he like, graduates college and he starts talking about the earth is flat yeah <laughs> he's a yeah. dark elf <laughs> yeah guys whose names start with k it's him he's he's the guy he's kill. <laughs> excuse <laughs> me captain <Yeah>. kill <laughs> all right now we gotta bleep so but yet so because arnold is such a naysayer in the face of superstitions the bully causes him so I have to I have to lean over every time you go like this. I'm like fuck, fuck. Which what are you one talking about? It? Do what? I don't know. Oh. Oh. Okay. <gasps> Blue charger. <gasps> that, that one's not really scary. It's just kind of confusing, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's really just like a, like a Tuesday in my parking lot. You want to smell beef jerky? <laughs> so so because it's my bathroom every day. So because Arnold is such a naysayer in the face of superstition, the bully I guess is pissed off about that, and then gets Arnold to perform a bunch of things that should cause you bad luck. I use quotations because the bully, of course, is behind all of the bad luck things that happened to him and his friend throughout right, the Right, after they episode. do all and the challenges, it. then he starts pranking him by right, making all right. this, by was, forcing all this bad luck to happen. But I then, was hoping this was going to be a Friday the 13th Jason thing. No, like, it's just <laughs> no. A, it's just a, this is a bad day. This bad well, day, not, superstitious. It's not so much that I want to, I know there's a lot of copyright stuff with that. There's like a lot of entanglement and weird red tape, but more than anything, I wanted Jason to come out with a machete and hack off that fucking extra meat on that fat boy's stomach. <laughs> My God, there is, if you were to add up all four of our dicks into one delicious soup dish, 
that would still not equal the amount of ham hock that boy got on his tum-tum. <laughs> like for all of his it physical is. qualities that you be pointing out, the one that bothers me is that ridiculous tooth he's got sticking out of his face. <laughs> I, I think that artist, that artist realized like what a what a monster he brought into existence and said, there's got to be some kind of misdirection with your eye How line. How the fuck do you guys have such a problem with this belly button it and is. a tooth? The main character's head is shaped like a fucking football. That's fine. That's more of a, that's more of a, like a, a geo graphic thing or whatever what? ge- geome- geometrical <laughs> geometrical I'm sorry I've got belly button on the fucking brain his friend's <laughs> he hair the world is, is as flat. tall as his body I don't what mind the- any of that those are all things that are uh, like actually I- his head is under there so yeah, his head is it. that high actually, I don't mind all that the world's flat okay so it looks like it a can of Vienna <laughs> sausage melted together <laughs> it looks <laughs> terrible I fucking hit it it's aberrant you have a kid Sid who puts a hat on and knows with it it comes straight out of the top of his <laughs> all of these yeah. things are fine with me though i don't mind any of them. there's a kid named stinky who's wearing a moo-moo throughout the whole episode <laughs> yeah. like i knew all these people in like in elementary school and shit like yeah, that but in he one did form not know somebody with a fucking with, baby's thumb with sticking an out of his cord still hanging out of his guts no i did not fucking know someone like that, that okay so to talk about hey arnold i don't want to talk about that i want to keep talking about what i'm talking about <laughs> i want to talk about hey arnold because I actually really like this show and revisiting this episode reminded me why it's a really good fucking cartoon it's just a young kids show and where like you really identify with fucking you know Ren and Stimpy or like Aureal Monsters I don't remember those as much as I remember this and yeah. that's probably because this runs into like 2004 yeah so it's an inner city of a fictional place right which I think is supposed to be a combination of Portland, it's like Brooklyn, 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 Brooklyn. yeah, and, um, and um, but it's somewhere it's not in, Brooklyn, but somewhere it, in Washington. There are also uh, um, there are other scenes that are like like you said, Portland. There's stuff that's by the sea, and there's yeah. I mean, it's and kind of got a, a more. It's got a little bit of the city everything. might be called Hillwood I, I, yeah, or something. I think the, the, he but, lives in a fucking tenement, like a Hooverville kind of thing. Yeah, like, he, he, but lives guess, in but, a, he lives in like what is essentially an it's a boarding house. But having yeah. said, it's a boarding house, and I think to me that's the thing that does really stick out to me about the show. Why I like the show is because it it really drives it being about this like inner city urban life. Which why a lot is, of other why shows is this apartment don't so do. fucking nice and like these people seem like it's Charlie's grandparents all sleeping in the same bed like they're all eating like gruel and shit and like have a have a communal kitchen and he's got like a fucking like who a posh apartment upstairs. What is, is going on that up that there? That is clean or whatever. Coziest looking yeah. apartment. I mean, he always like, has like this cool this penthouse up there. But also, he's like he's got like Russian neighbors, right? That are yeah. in a lot of the show that are all they're always like fighting, and they he's yeah, always wearing a lot like of a white beater. And the, yeah, it's in a lot the, of fucking uh, Angela's ashes, and, and he's up there in a fucking penthouse loft, like like a Trump Towers. What is happening up in his apartment? There's uh, <laughs> the, there's the Russians. There's the uh, I think it's Vietnamese. Vietnamese, uh, yeah, guy that's living there um, but it implies Ernie. that they're all living in like they may it may not be poverty but they're all like lower working class yeah. people they live in a tenement there's a bunch of immigrants like the the show does speak to something about like that sort of lifestyle it has a super that, colorful cast of characters not just yeah. when like in arnold and his friends it's not he, like doug which takes place basically all in like the suburbs so maybe this, yeah. uh, this feels like nostalgic for something you didn't really live through probably right but you you know that this is you know a lot kind of people of relatable did. to a certain area yeah a lot of people did and it's <laughs> it's different from other shows that way unless, they you, unless you knew being, someone that had a siamese head on their stomach 
I, <laughs> Jesus I, Christ. I, I feel like this is this is the show I think of if like someone tells me that they had a childhood of like riding a bicycle through a city as a kid. This mm-hmm. is where I picture it happening. Right. This is so where like these are the types of people that I see in in that like nostalgic trip of kids that wear fucking flannels under a long sleeve shirt. It's Arnold. It's like anybody guy. that said they lived in a big city in an apartment. This is how, this I, is how I picture it. it. Yeah. yeah. Just a, just a bunch of like very like deformed co- people. <laughs> yeah. What, what are you picturing? All, all, all of them really do have, you know, like huge physical deformities, you know, the whole thing about Hey Arnold is that Arnold has a football-shaped head. Yeah, something's in the fucking and, water. And that, that's it's, also like canon. People recognize that. Like he is called Football Head yes. by, right. by yeah. his uh, not Even though love everyone else book. is just as weirdly shaped. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I was about what, to say. What, what do they call Harold fucking baby arm rhinoceros? <laughs> <laughs> what the that f- Routinely he is made fun of for the shape of his head, but every character... You know, Sid has a nose through his hat. Gerald's head <laughs> is like two people tall. Stinky is the lankiest, weirdest, sharp-eared, big-nosed country boy wearing a muumu. Oh also no! Na- I broke my mom's back. He looks who's like also the named he Stinky. looks like the Deep South yeah. Dracula. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you've got Harold, who Mike has problems with. <laughs> and, and then I'm oh, sorry. Oh, what? Oh, oh no! Look, it's, oh, wait. it's what. That's all. Don't worry. It's fine. That's, just, that's the spookiest one so far. Uh, as you were, gentlemen. Get out of here, Buffalo Bill. <laughs> no, she was a normal sized person that had an any. But no. he's absolutely right. They're all super weird looking. Everybody. They are. The bully is. I thought you meant Buffalo Bill for a second. <laughs> in, in, the, right. in the secondary episode. The, in Friday the Thirteenth, the bully is and his little fucking sidekick. They look weird. Everyone is wearing like weird ass clothes or has the most misshapen facial features. I mean, the bully in in Friday the Thirteenth looks like a fucking bat. He's got a little pig nose and sharp ears <laughs> yeah. and a mullet. He does. His, he looks like his, a vampire his, bat. His shirt is tucked into his fucking cargo shorts. Like this guy is not cool. I don't think there's a single normal. And also three person. times the size of all the other kids. Like, yeah, it's like yeah. how many times yeah, has well, he repeated he, he senior year? He, he, fell. Yeah, he yeah. fell a few years. This linebacker of a bully yeah. who yeah. Arnold's deciding to stand up to. He's got to be like 19 by now. It's, it's <laughs> like it's like all the other kids are like Sonya Blade size and he's Goro. It's like, what the <laughs> yeah. fuck is happening at the school? Like, is this like K through 11 or is this like prep school for Harvard? I mean, these guys, they look like Ivy League dudes. They look like bad guys from fucking 80s ski movies. I don't understand like what what the system is at the school. I don't understand what's happening at the tenement flat that has like condemned signs on the front door or whatever while he's like living in a posh palatial harem or some shit. Well, he just ate real good in prison. I'm talking about Arnold. What is is Arnold's family in the building? His, yeah, his, his grandfather. With his grandparents. So, they, they so that like the big mystery. There's a, a mystery throughout the show of like what happened to his parents. He tells him like people that they're like adventurers or something, and they got lost in a plane crash and were never heard from again. And so that's like a continuing thing that is never answered until like. 2017 they I made a movie and it was finally answered yeah and the final movie which i think is called the jungle movie yeah is, yeah they apparently the answered the question though i didn't get a chance yeah, to see what the answer yeah, is yeah he his parents disappeared and he lives with his grandparents okay yeah and uh, all right that i mean that's really it to me is that 
Hey Arnold is my cushy cartoon show. Yeah, they that's, come that's from money. The, no, I don't think so. I mean, they're like living in a, wealthy. He's not. It's it's yeah. He just has the attic apartment. I think that's actually what it is. Is Pretty that high fi It well, it's funny that you say it's high fi because when I picture lo fi beats to enjoy '90s cartoons to, it happens in Arnold's room <laughs> because it looks fucking sweet. He's it's also this, like it's cozy, but it is small. Yeah, I actually he's got the skylight. Make a mention that it is an attic. Yeah, he's got inventions fucking coming out for like stereo systems, like Rick Moranis and how I or Honey (laughs) I Shrunk the Kid. What the fuck are you talking about? If I remember correctly, in the first episode, somewhere in the like when he moves in with his grandparents, one they're reluctant to have him there, but he has nowhere else to go. And the other one being that yeah, they don't really have a room for him. They make it out of something else, and and he he has this like cast of characters around him and i all... think his grandparents run that building like they are the owners of that building or the landlords i think is what or it maybe is it's maybe so. they, they're not they're they're not like tenants themselves everyone else is their tenant maybe you're right is right. what that because is. it implies uh, that his grandmother has great business sense she's just really she's eccentric. insane insane yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> has dementia yeah <laughs> are there any other uh voice cast people besides Stan Castle and I didn't really look I didn't look uh, I mean there was a few people. names I recognized yeah. of like have done other cartoon characters yeah. and other yeah. shows but do, not, none, none really stuck, a, no, stuck that, out to this me as is much one as of Dan. like the few shows where it's like all of them are all the voice actors for the kids were actual kids yeah or kids yeah, most of them um, yeah. and there were a I couple think, of people who especially like special guests but like for the most part, Dan was the one that stuck out the most. And that made a lot of sense. Like I said, he was always the funniest character. His grandpa. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, Who does Harold's voice? I think it's a kid. Who does his belly button? <laughs> <laughs> John I was, Goodman. I was waiting for it. Yeah, I was, what, what's going to be the mic joke here? Is it going to be, who does Harold's voice? What pig does Harold's voice? <laughs> That's what I was waiting for. That's good, too. What, what Sasquatch? Yeah. What hog? How did they get the... <laughs> Sorry, Sorry. Yeah, how did they get the, the little guy, the Siamese twin guy from Total Recall that's stuck on the... What's his name? Gorp or whatever? How did they get him to do the voice for fucking Harold? Did you see anyone? Uh, that, there's not. It's just a bunch of voice actors that you know. Yeah, kind of random. Some yeah. that did other shows you might recognize. Yeah, the most recognizable like. one to me is uh, the kid that played uh, Froggy in the Little Rascals. Oh, gross! Yeah, that kid. Yeah. Oh, who did he do the voice for? Uh, it's uh, Chocolate Boy. Uh, Jesus, Chocolate Boy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, which one's he? Wait He's, a minute. Hold on. Yeah, Mike's in okay, now. So th- this is a show that had characters like Chocolate Boy had Stoop Kid, which is a kid. That lives on never soup. Leaves the yeah, yeah, there's a, a guy that's like, a, I don't remember his name, but he's a pigeon man. I guess he was just pigeon man, right? He's yeah. the guy that lived on a roof and was eccentric, eccentric and talked to pigeons or something. Um, Which turned out to be a very weirdly wholesome episode. Yeah, there's a lot of those. That, that Mike was saying this is why he does not like... weren't true. <laughs> <laughs> Mike was saying this is why he doesn't like Hey Arnold because it's not funny and it's too uh, wholesome or... Not even wholesome, but it's just trying to be too earnest for a fucking kid show. Which is why I like it. It makes because me feel it like it has those earnest. It doesn't... It feels like it's telling a story rather than just being noise for kids. Oh, yeah. I um, agree. Yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah. That's, that's one of the reasons why... There's so 
like, many things about like accepting other people and like you know there's the thing with uh, the Vietnamese tenant that lives with them and him trying to get his daughter who they got separated during the war right. and there's like great memorable episodes but there's like a lot that. of yeah. heartfelt moments in it where he forms a lot of genuine bonds with people who aren't even necessarily nice to him and I think it's a it really speaks a lot to kids who feel like different or get bullied or are weirdly yeah. like friends with an odd cast of characters or have people in their life that aren't just a normal cookie cutter build of like a suburban life. I, guess I remember this, this an is episode the reason I like King of the Hill either though is because it's 25% jokes on a good episode and the rest of it is like it's a theme, it's a story they're telling. I don't want that in that, especially when it's like from the guy who brought you Beavis and Butthead and Office Space and it's like I don't need a fucking themed episode. I'm not saying it's but not that's good. Exactly I'm just why it's not for it's me. It's what you said because I would argue that Beavis and Butthead and Office Space all do have really something profound to say at the heart of it. But it's 20% that and 80% the jokes while the other stuff like Hey Arnold and King of the Hill that I was talking about, it's 20% jokes. I guess that, that tracks because I actually really enjoy King of the Hill too. I know Hill you do. It's one of <laughs> I know a lot of people I've watched the whole series yeah. like five times. Yeah. Right. A lot of people great. like that stuff. Uh, but I, I like more stuff that's like joke driven like Seinfeld or Simpsons where there's some there's a joke every 10 seconds and the writing and the delivery and the execution of a thing as a whole is clever it's clever fucking writing it's relying upon that as opposed to heart and empathy and all that I don't know I just want to be entertained with certain mediums and cartoons are one of those things I really want to be entertained with well I don't know how Harold doesn't entertain you considering can't stop looking at his belly button but, I felt <laughs> I felt like my mouth was wetter than it should be. I felt <laughs> nauseous a little bit. I felt like if I had to swallow something, I would struggle. I'd gag a little bit. The way you feel about Pete and Pete is how I feel about Hey Arnold. Every time I picture it, I See, picture fucking orange leaves. I picture the pigeon guy, and it's like very low moments yeah. and heartfelt stuff. I picture the episode with Wynn and his daughter trying to get her back, and he finds her. Stuff like that. Like, yeah, you had, yeah, wack that's what I remember you, you had wacky episodes, too, like Stoop Kid Never Leaves His stoop which actually tends to be couched in some like weird psychological issues that he has i would uh, and it tackles that but there were also episodes like let's make the world's biggest pizza shit like that yeah. like he's kind of a direct copy of nelson like you said but i would even go as far as to say that like i think that harold's character really kind of gave me a frame of reference for like bully kids and like how they were yeah, because he, he's, their own. he's, he's, he's a product of his environment. Yeah. yeah, like I yeah. remember there's an episode specifically where he's like, he's getting ready to get held back again because he's like terrible at math and like yeah. Ar Arnold's trying to get through to him of like how to do math because it's not complicated. He just doesn't want to apply himself. And then he's like bullying other kids for lunch money yeah. or something. He and then he stops him and he's like, you're doing than he actually Then he becomes. And right, he becomes exactly. Nelson has the teeth hanging out of his mouth too. He's got like the... The, the like iconic a little bit I mean but it's, not, when it, it's when he talks I don't think he just has like a resting yeah. Nelson weird has three teeth hang out of, their, out of his mouth maybe you're right yeah. but he does not have it's... a novelty sized gobstopper on his stomach <laughs> <laughs> so all right. well, I mean, like I said, yeah. it's this is Matt Groening's brother-in-law created the show. It's no wonder that there's Simpsons references everywhere. You know what me off? I mean, Gerald hey, is also like his, he's his got design the is based yeah, off March, March. Yeah, March hair. Yeah, me off that his name is Matt Groening, as you said it, and it's pronounced Matt Groening. It's like, what the fuck is Do going on with letters? Do people actually pronounce it's it that way? Matt Groening. That's his name. It's Matt Groening. I don't think. I yeah, don't remember I don't ever think it, heard it pronounced that way. Well, it's, it's like, it's like when you hear like Killian Murphy, and it's like, I've been calling that bastard Cillian Murphy for well, 20 years. I'm not changing now. Well, now I feel stupid because I've been pronouncing it that way forever. It's Groening. Yeah, uh, even okay, though it's well, G-R-O-E. Uh, apologies. That's Groening. 
Anyway. So uh, Jesus, don't close on that, please. No, what? Well, because we haven't actually talked about the Halloween stuff, and this is a Halloween episode. <laughs> True. Oh, shit, yeah. So we should probably we should probably circle back. I forgot that. we heard a Bigfoot and a Buffalo Bill noise. You're right. This is the Halloween. I did app. think it was crazy ironic that we got two headless horseman stories in this yeah. episode. We, we go we roll Sleepy Hollow and then end up with the headless cavy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, was, huh. Okay. I, I just now watched the Hey Arnold shit uh, this morning, and I thought, fuck, man, we really did. Like yeah, yeah. we really made it to hit a fucking one in a million, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. pretty good. Which there, there's a uh, another. I think there were a couple other uh, Halloween specials. The other one that we missed out that we didn't roll was uh, the war, the War of the Worlds one. There's one that's based off the Orson Welles radio uh thing yes you where mean, they, they, where they the do radio their own play radio or just show? the hg wells novel well they the do radio the, play. It, the oh, whole okay. the whole gotcha. event because they do their own radio thing right yeah think, they like the trick whole, the town like, into thinking there's an alien invasion right. yeah Her- harold's radio. belly button gets so scared it jumps off a fucking high-rise rooftop and he's normal <laughs> <laughs> yeah that sounds like an awful episode yeah well it, they're they're dressed up as aliens so it his belly button looks normal. I was going to say, what did, he starts, what did he not have he to put starts, on? He starts with an Audi and ends with a tail. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, and as they're going like the, through the park and they're all, they're seeing all this uh, stuff that's from uh, Arnold's story uh, of the cabbie, but it's like just their mind playing tricks on them. They think they see the guy with the right. hook for the hand in the tunnel, but it's just the guy with they, some gold they see watches. A, they see a random scarf on a tree branch. They they think they hear the horse cloppings, and it's just one of the kids yeah, doing you, tap Eugene shoes. Eugene doing which, tap shoes. Which, which by love... the way, Eugene is the original bad luck Brian. <laughs> right. You can't a, get... He even says something about being born on Friday the yeah, 13th, that's, I that's think, in the next episode. Yeah. But he, I did think it was funny, because as soon as he shows up, and he's like, Oh, it's it's not a horse. It's just me doing my dance practice. And as soon as I thought it, that's when Gerald speaks up. He's like, "Why are you out here doing dance practice at night in the park by yourself?" <laughs> like, yeah, why are you? Because out he's here a doing goon. That? Every yeah, character's a goon. Yeah. Why <laughs> is Stinky walking through the city park in a muumuu and slippers? I've got, I've got a question about a character. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? No, okay, no, y- y'all are having fun. Go ahead. <laughs> no, it's just that, yeah, like Garrett said, they see all of these things that lend itself to Arnold's story, but none of it. Frozen pay- meatball in a child's stomach. Okay. Right. <laughs> and I, I guess it's just supposed to be a good fun, like, oh, they gave themselves a good scare. Right. They it's get like ice cream, you it's were, fine. It's like when you were a kid and you fucking stay up late and tell spooky things and right. everyone goes to bed and they're like, that could I actually happen. I heard a spooky thing. Yeah. I heard something right, outside. Right, yeah. We better go outside and That's see. That's the hash slinging slasher out there. Yeah. Right. This is also like nostalgia of a time that doesn't slasher? exist anymore, I guess. Tra- because, I, exactly. It's like, something. it's, a, it's pro- obviously yeah, probably set in like October. It's 630, it's nighttime outside, and yeah. they're all wearing like winter clothes or fall clothes. Well, he says it's an autumn night, yeah. 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 I mean, the idea, like you said, he does make a point to say so something like that, about it being I like 630 at night. I don't know anywhere where you, co- you would trust time, like that. But at the same time, it's like being this dark in an inner city, it's like, I can't believe these kids are just like by themselves going through a dark oh, yeah. city park at like 630 at night when it's cold and yeah, pitch shit black. that wouldn't happen post 2000 right, right exactly yeah. it's like no way is this gonna happen today uh-uh. and it is you like you said it's very nostalgic for a time that is long gone it's like yeah. man that's so crazy that people it, it don't feels do like anymore. the show itself is set like early 90s at, yeah yeah best, something but, like that yeah but then so it turns out that the headless cabbie <laughs> might actually be real by the end 
Yeah. Because she, he they, they, up, they uh, get their ice cream, they go back to Arnold's apartment, and they're like, well, that was crazy. And then the one of the the guy that's actually the cabbie in the show, I guess. Yeah, Ernie. Because he's, yeah, Ernie, he's like the New Yorker. Yeah, bro. Yeah. like a character. scumbag. I don't know a thing about Ernie. <laughs> he, but he, I'm like, they know this really, person. He's one of the guys that lives there. I don't, I, don't know lives with Arnold. I don't know if he's a scumbag, but he's got yellow eyes in the show, and that seems to be a trend for people that are mean <laughs> yeah. or bad. It's not He's a wearing good a wife look. beater all the time. It's implied yeah. that he might be uh, just an He asshole. looks like he would sell you a hot dog that's made with dog. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he drops them off, and then the woman from the store gets in his cab, and it's like, I've, I've lost a my woman does. I don't think you see her face. Yeah, but you but hear her voice, and it's the same it's the voice. Same voice. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then she's like, Would you wear this scarf? And yeah, and he's like, same. Sure. And he just takes her into the park, and yeah. that's how it ends. Hey, do you see that character after this episode, though? I'm sure. sure you I, do. I think you do, right? Yeah, yeah. of course you well, do. Fucking wanted posters. So, Ernie, you talking about? <laughs> hey, so you know those, uh, you know those fifty cent machines you see when you walk outside of like WalMarts or whatever, like yeah. the, and the little exit vestibule thing. Yeah, it's like twenty five cent ones, and they're yeah. like the little tiny guys, and there's like a fifty well, cent one. Seventy five cents now, inflation. Oh, really? I didn't know that. So those big ones though that come out and have like a ring pop or fucking whatever's in them. Let's go. What? You don't fucking know where I'm going with I this thing. I know exactly where you're going. What are you ahead. talking? I'm just saying those things are really nice. Uh, yeah. Also, a child's belly button. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. What the fuck is there going is. on in this there show, is. man? Uh, okay. And right. the, the, hey, the Friday the 13th episode, he does a bunch of stuff for bad luck. Turns out he just got pranked, and then he turns around on the bully. There you go. That's what fucking happens. Why do you guys keep repeating the same thing happy, over and over and Halloween. over? What is going on here? What's the Happy bit? Halloween. All right, change it. Uh, Hi, I'm Dr. Dreadful, and this is the Dr. Dreadful Food Lab. Makes lots of gross things, and then you eat them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want you, and I don't need you. Don't bother to resist, or I'll beat you. It's not your fault that you're always wrong. The weak ones are there to justify the strong. The beautiful people, the beautiful people. It's all relative to the size of your steeple. You can't see the forest for the trees. You can't, you can't smell, smell your own shit, shit on, on your, your knees. knees. That was spooky though. Hey, uh. Yeah. So what's all we cover, Garrett? <laughs> I don't know. We are covering uh, The Beautiful People by Marilyn Manson. Is that what that was? Come on, it was <laughs> I, I thought that was a good attempt. I actually really do think that was a lot better than I ever would have thought it would yeah, have been. I, I was, Listening to I the was song, impressed. I was like, well, this is going to be a tough one to cover. Can we just take one second that, to call m- out that Dalton... Not only is talking so far in the music segment, but actually, <laughs> actually sang. On uh, yeah, it, so, if you were clubs. confused at which one was the bad one and which one was the good one, they, they were both. They were both. They were, <laughs> they were both Dalton. Yeah, they were both me. It is. Let me tell you, it is so fucking difficult to try to do it. 
when you don't know the fucking lyrics because no. I don't know what is the tempo we're supposed to do and as soon as you and I don't match I'm fucked it's over yeah, I'm yeah. not like I cannot progress with what I was doing because now I'm like oh fuck well I'm supposed to be here or we're doing this part it's fucked were you so when we were going were you soft I was spooked you were so okay gotcha, I was gotcha. definitely scaled and the reason why I couldn't sing real good is because I couldn't <laughs> sing yeah. my my microphone through my hands well for a guy that only goes outside to go to the podcast you look really red right now (laughs) (laughs) that's because I'm I'm fucking out of breath (laughs) yeah but yeah uh, released in 1996 Um, I didn't know this was 96 I thought Manson was 97, 98 I thought it was toward the tail end Mm. of uh, the 90s but yeah he is um, clearly uh, being groomed by Trent Reznor with a lot of fucking talent to be his sound and and video guy. I mean, the video for this is kind of high production. And is this the very first music video for Marilyn Manson? Does he uh, No, I don't think it's his first. But it's I, never, probably, I think it's his maybe his first with this director who yeah. uh, would go on to do a lot of stuff. And like the I forget her name, but uh, she's it's unpronounceable. Yeah, it's Liza's. It, well, uh, Andre Guapolis or some shit something like that I guess Uh, but like she employed a lot of techniques such as like the jittery she her trademark like the jittery camera movements and these very like uh, fast moving almost stop motiony looking uh, aesthetic that everything a lot looks of, twitchy yeah a lot of uh, people kind of cribbed from that uh, music video because that wasn't really seen a whole lot at the time um, and although it, I, I think it was like you said there's a lot of talent revolving around it though yeah. It looked really good. It sounds good. The makeup and design was really good. Marilyn Manson in general is pretty new for me. I was a pretty sheltered kid. I didn't really grow up listening to a lot of music like this. I was more on the side of like Reliant K and Marilyn Manson ate my girlfriend. That was the shit that I was listening to. So what kids bop is that? that <laughs> say, did you and like, your cousin just make that up? I don't know what you're talking I about. I swear to God, that's a real that, song. That's a Reliant K song. Yeah, a Reliant K song. Um, so that was the shit I was listening to. So this was first for me, really, like going down the the rabbit hole of Marilyn Manson. But I got to yeah. say, I really liked it, though. I thought it was the really, song in the video. Yeah, I Both, mean, I did. Yeah. I thought it was really they said the production value is really good. And then the song, it took me a second to figure it to get into mm-hmm. it. But I mean, then I was like, OK, yeah, I dig it. I, I think I, I understand what it's going for. What Marilyn Manson always reminds me of is just really playing into that whole satanic panic shit of like you know that kids are watching music television and it's telling them to be devil worshippers and just shit like that he's definitely like absorbed that into his aesthetic you see him in interviews and he's a lot more well spoken than uh but he's still wearing the contacts the makeup the black lipstick he wants you to be freaked out by him right he it, it it's just part of the whole personality that he's presenting and i don't know much about him now or like any anything revolving any type of like controversy that revolves well, you don't you him. don't work in a courtroom I mean, so yeah <laughs> well i just I, I i i just mean like during that time period when i was a kid my my parents didn't really care what we were listening to because this is more in line with what i had already been exposed to when i found it were you so, a nine inch nails guy n- not really but like what Whereas, you know, you've spoken before about how you and your brother, you were mama's boys, so you had, like, softer music tastes and stuff more like standing outside of a phone booth with money in my pocket was more like your speed. Yeah, back and shit like that. We didn't really listen to Metallica and ACDC and all that stuff. And whereas this is much more my 
side of the fence gotcha. in that you know outside of my brother introducing me to things like grunge and alternative and hardcore music and stuff like that my dad early on had a lot and my mom uh because her favorite band is guns and roses and his favorite band one of them is motley Crue, and so a lot of hair metal is is influenced a lot into my childhood which when I'm growing up and that just transitions into, you know, you're playing twisted metal and you're listening to like white zombie, Rob zombie, pitch shifter. And Marilyn Manson is more in line with that. And even to this day, I have a lot of that style of music still in my albums that I rotate through, not albums that I rotate through, but it's in my song list that I go through. So there's a lot of like, metal influence stuff and stuff adjacent to this probably and this is much more my preferred zone as opposed to some of the other stuff that we've covered apart from like smashing punk I, I will say that i with exception to what you were saying with exception to that like that stuff that i really did like a lot things that were really catchy not pop or anything like that but things that were like very very 90 centric i did like when i turned 13 14 i really liked white zombie uh, more human than human, mainly. I didn't listen yeah, to like well, the album. That's the that's the most one. notable song because if you played, if you played Twisted Metal too, you right. heard that song all the fucking. I time. really yeah. dug that, and I really liked Nine Inch Nails. Mm. I really liked Downward Spiral because there was some there was a lot of music like this on there, extreme music. But then I think Trent Reznor also inherently has like he understands pageantry. He understands like optics. He understands like there can be art and really dark shit but it doesn't seem it doesn't seem impressionistic it doesn't seem pretentious it seems like he actually understands how aesthetic and sound can complement each other and he's got people like David Fincher directing his videos for him I think this is like a C minus version of that I think that this is more like Whitesnake compared to something like Guns N' Roses where there's your A list and there's your C tier um I don't think this is without merit or anything like that, but I just feel like I feel like Nine Inch Nails and things of that ilk ran so this could crawl, but it is still moving. But I, I did like White Zombie. I liked Rob Zombie, and I liked Nine Inch Nails. Nine Inch Nails was like the avant-garde of this stuff, and it really... I'm not wrong in that, and that Trent Reznor would put on each of his albums like two things that were completely piano driven that sounded nothing like mm -hmm. the rest of the songs in the album. And it's yeah. like, this guy is first and foremost, a musician. <clears throat> he's trying things. He's throwing a lot of shit against the wall. And there's a little bit for everyone while Marilyn Manson is very entirely too specific. But I mean, Trent Reznor has gone on to make, he's an Academy award winning fucking film composer. Now, like this guy's probably done more compositions for movies. High, yeah. t high tier, like prestige movies than he has actual albums. So while Marilyn Manson sort of like became half an actor, but he was always out for shock value. I don't think Nine Inch Nails yeah. was always out for shock value. No, I, I don't I, think well, so. It, yeah, it has a, it has a lot of shock value because it definitely comes across. You know, if you if you're watching fucking MTV or something and you watch ACDC, and then next up Marilyn Manson, it's like, well, these are two wildly different fucking things. Yeah, especially like aesthetically, because you can have you know, synthetic sounding metal music, heavy guitar and all that shit. And you don't have to look like a fucking Tim Burton film at the same time. Right. You, don't, you don't need to, but it's also fun in that it has its own played up, really dramatic, 
you know, the, the, the whole, the entire music video, every outfit that he's put in, you know, kind of when we talked about Sleepy Hollow, where they pull out a gadget or some microscopes or binoculars or, or stethoscopes, whatever, it's, it's all these wild zoomed in or eccentric looking pieces that have been almost taped on looking to make it look whimsical and crazy and that's just kind he's of like, he's what... like the gay lady gaga fucking goth metal sure for the, 90s. Yeah, for the 90s yeah but but i still like stuff like that to this day like right now ghost is really heavy in my list of songs that i listen to a lot and it's, is that it's, marilyn manson no no, no 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 it's 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 a band that also has a lot of pageantry to it um and and their music, some of them is uh, some of their pieces are a lot heavier than others, or some are more catchy. But you know, just the same way with any other musician. But there's a lot of pageantry and a lot of aesthetics behind the whole performance and pieces as a whole. It's not maybe, maybe just... that's what it is. Is like the theatrics <clears throat> complement the message for Marilyn Manson and with that's, Nine Inch Nails. That's exactly what I was going to get at. It's more like that the music complements the message. You know, there was when we did Incubus and we talked a lot about the way how that felt shallow. Yeah. Like this to me felt a lot different than that. And I don't know if this is true about everything Marilyn Manson does, but I'm sure the pageantry is similar. And like you said, and all of his appearances and all the other music videos, but the, to me, I liked as someone who is not as familiar and never really listened to it much. I appreciated that. It felt like the lyrics of the song put together with this drastically, drastically different, series of images that are all weird looking did have something to say like it is trying to say something that feels like it it's not pretentious it's not shallow it's not look at me look at how pretty i am it's a look at how ugly i am look at how ugly our culture is look at how ugly society is is really like this is there's a there's a, there's a lot of gross out elements in it as a Aren't I so disgusting and nasty? Because Look it, at me still. Because it wants you to ask and beg the question. If anything, it right. is it is anti like. <sighs> it feels anti. It's trying to be anti mainstream in a way that's not just like well, we're not going to be like part of the thing. Like we're well, going to be something. It feels like it's trying to say like, isn't all that really shallow and dumb? It's anti satanic panic, and that if you if you stop and you say like, what is going on with you? Then you'll realize that I'm a very well-spoken, intelligent person that actually has, I wanted you to ask that's, I wanted you to beg the question. Cause if I looked like a normal asshole named Joe, we wouldn't have the conversation, but the fact that I doll myself up like a fucking monster boy, I mean, you will, cause the, he, he went on, the, what is it? Sally, Sally, the Jesse, Raphael, the lyrics or in this song specifically said, there's a line about the, the size of your steeple. And, you know, the beautiful people, what do you look at me? What do you see? Something beautiful, something free, all put together with a series of all these horrible, like hard now to look at images. <laughs> yeah. Where the fuck were you? <laughs> were you? I didn't remember certain words, but I could not put it together with music. But, but with, with fascist think, imagery, like, yeah, fucking, it's like, yeah. it's trying to say, it's like, who's really the ugly one? Is it me or is it you? Which, right. which like, isn't yeah. inadvertently like super deep or anything and it's not no, like we're, it's we're not breaking like, new ground it's not like, yeah sure but i do think that is hit it is hitting that mark well even if it hasn't done it first it is hitting that that mark it's like okay i see what you're doing i can appreciate this I, okay 
I'm sorry, I thought these were supposed to be scary. Where are we going with this house? I mean, I don't know. I guess it could be scary. Which one is this? Richard Nixon. Is he a senator? No, he's a musician. Yeah, sorry, you went around in the 90s. I guess you don't know who Richard Nixon is. But... To to kind of touch on like what you mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, you wouldn't ask this question if I didn't look this way. Right. That's absolutely true because no one gave a fuck when Kiss wasn't wearing makeup no. and right. crazy looking suits and, and shooting Trent, fire. Trent Reznor looks like a normal point. fucking dude. Like I mean, Trent Reznor I think is sincere in his stuff because he's looked the same for forty years, and he's more like Robert Smith from The Cure or even like Morrissey from The Smiths of like. The sh- bright shit, happy shit does not come naturally. Not to me. Maybe it does to you. Or maybe that it doesn't sell. And I think that's kind of the point. Both. I think both. that's the point he's yeah. trying to make in the song. Is both. That, is like, you can be successful and not have to pander the people about like with pop and happiness and even a bright message or even about love or anything like that. Big themes that people can relate to. Right. It's like maybe I don't feel this way, but also I know the only reason you're watching is because I'm doing well, this. Well, I mean, I'm making Resner basically has to sublimate. He has to make music or he'll fucking kill himself. He's one of those guys that's like, I can't stop. He's like Conan O'Brien of, I can't stop working. I can't just like retire and rest of my laurels. I did enough and people seem to like it. He can't stop. Like, it makes him neurotic to not be creating something. And Marilyn Manson is more of a, I have a message, and I can only get it across with neon signs and fireworks of, like, you have to look this way before I can tell you what the actual message is. Yeah, he went on some daytime talk show. I think it's Geraldo, or one of those. I forgot what it was, but it's, like, something that, you know, you watch when you're sick home from school or something. Some daytime TV. Yeah, your nana watches it, and, like, he seemed like a nice man. But he went on that with... Twiggy fucking Berkowitz or whatever his bandmates are and they're all sitting there slumped in in chairs and they're asking him like what is going on with you like are you not teaching our children to murder and worship Satan and he has very like verbose like fluent answers and that like no there's a very specific reason why we're doing this and the message is this it's not because we're stupid it's not because we're spreading hate we're, we're spreading like knowledge of anything about right. so that you're, I just, think, you're just tackling issues that uh, many bands tackle yeah. or, or pointing the spotlight on certain issues or themes or whatever it's not anything new and no. I think that was the biggest takeaway is that I'm not saying anything different than what plenty of other musicians band members personalities have said before you're just freaking out because right. I've got white contacts in. Right, exactly. we're, we're, we are the scapegoat. Like we're actually helping people by being the weirdos because now they've got a bigger Venn diagram to put things against. And I think he even says in that interview, like, what is one of the w- one things you tell your kids when they say something bad about someone? When you point at someone, there are four fingers pointing back at you. That's what this is, is you're pointing at us and you guys are the ones that are doing this and this and this. Exactly. And I think that's exactly why I feel like it's so rich. And it, if you really think about it, it is saying something very much along those lines. It's it's made, forcing you to look at something, but realizing that the fault is not with you. It's with the person watching. That's what and, he's and saying. And it, and it comes at a time when like it's very easy to make scapegoats and point out 
weirdos and make it seem like, oh, well, because someone dresses in all black or wears a trench coat or something like that, they're mm-hmm. a freak, they're a monster, they are a devil worshiper, whatever. You know, fucking Dungeons and Dragons went through this bullshit. It's, yeah. the, it's the same type of thing where it's just like any type of mysticism or oddity-inspired person where it's it has these like ritualistic undertones or displays that are done in their music or their music videos or their aesthetic that they, the style that they draw and they present. That's the thing that you're worried about. It has nothing to do with the fact of whether or not he fucking, what he's saying in his song. It's about whether or not it's true. He took ribs out to suck his dick. That's (laughs) what they're worried about. I've been uh, sitting here quietly waiting for someone to bring that up. (laughs) (laughs) Because Gary's been trying to suck his own dick this entire (laughs) time. How the fuck do you do? Listen, but that—that is the only thing I knew about Manson before, uh, like I don't know, 2007, maybe. Besides, he's the nerd friend from the Wonder Years. I think it's Is safe it? to say that every one of us... <laughs> whatever one said, though. He said take he was the nerd. every one of one. our fucking ribs out, and we still wouldn't be able to reach our dick. No. Okay? No, so, you, you could cut just... me in half like that shit in Sleepy Hollow, and I still couldn't suck my own dick. No, he, he, he was pale, and he wore dark makeup, and his last name was Manson, and he made fucking weird synthetic sounding heavy music. I don't think and his last name's even Manson, music. is it? Did, did any like? No, it's no, fucking it, it's, David something yeah. or whatever. His, his name. I just mean like the personality that he yeah. presents. When well, you think about it, it's funny that this is the Halloween episode and we're talking about monsters and all that, and you know, sort of where that's derived from and superstition and lore and, and kids like with giant all... fucking belly buttons that are <laughs> yeah. abnormal and yeah. should, should, and should have a turnstile sort of the resp- I think Marilyn Manson is very much a response to that and that's like you're only judging what you see but that's exactly what make, gives me power now bear in mind we are only covering Marilyn Manson from the fucking 90s from this video from this time because right. over the last but, five to ten years not great it's got no. nothing to do with satanic panic or his music either <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. yeah just, just Again, we yes, don't have to is, super get into it, but no. This is this is strictly through the lens of <laughs> yeah. what we're talking about. We also talked about Jeffrey video. Jones and Sleepy Hollow, so yeah. not not a great two thousands for that person. Cut, hey, be sure to join Patreon where we cover Roman Polanski's filmography. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's had a lot of trouble over the last few years, and um, I, I don't really have an opinion because I'm really not informed on any of that shit. Yeah, I don't but know what I, specifically. I've heard his name brought up just like cursory glances, but I don't know anything it's a lot specific. Of I kind of know the story, but as you say, I'm not informed, not so I'm not going to get into it. Yeah, um, I, I did. I didn't know his band members names i looked them up because uh, I, I was trying to find what i could on imdb today i mean i know about twiggy but i didn't know the other ones had names and well, the, the, i think most people do jared does, from subway does, does, is Jones. it really twiggy i thought you were just making Johnny that from up subway. yeah <laughs> jimmy from subway okay so garrett give us give us a list of what the band members names are uh oh jesus <laughs> daisy berkowitz okay off of david berkowitz the son of sam uh-huh. Uh, Ginger Fish. I don't think... Oh, maybe that's Albert Fish? And I assume he has red hair? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Garrett is like fucking Al. Uh, yeah. Madonna Wayne Gacy. Well, that could be anything. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. Very yeah. subtle. Yeah, totally. And then uh, Twiggy Ramirez. Off of Richard Ramirez, the Night yeah. Stalker. So, I, I just okay, pictured Okay, well, you gotta having... give the media credit for that, at least. That's... 
interesting choice. Well, I picture them having uh, like that Reservoir Dog scene where he's like, you know, you're Mr. Pink and you're Mr. Brown, Mr. Yeah. Blue, Mr. Black. And it's like, why do I have to be Mr. Brown? That sounds like Mr. Shit. And yeah, Mr. Pink sounds like Mr. Pussy. <laughs> I assume they had that. It wasn't like a, a straw drawing affair because Marilyn Manson, out of those fucking names, easily sounds the best. And the short straw was probably, I guess, either Ginger Fish or Madonna, Madonna Wayne Gacy. Wayne Gacy. He, That's yeah, kind of like, tough. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, but but again, it's all gonna be almost entirely isolated onto Marilyn Manson because I've made it my entire right. life without, without knowing, knowing a single one why, of those others. Why would you? Well, yeah. lots of course, of, uh, that was also, pop like, that bubble. You got, it's one of those things like it's unfortunate for them to have the name, but at the same time. No press is bad press. And you, it's kind of a stroke of genius when you think of trying to get attention in the media. It's like, that's, yeah, you have a name like that? That's Boom. what it is. You're going to be on the news it every is, day. It is we pedestal and we worship serial killers, the darkest of the dark, right. as much as we do so our So they don't idols. care that, like, yeah. they're, you know, there's going to be tonight at 10, like, are your kids being influenced by the devil? Marilyn Manson, the inside story. They're just like, you said our name, and it's on every local TV station. They're calling so. it Madonna Wayne Gacy. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it's just but, it's just alarmist shit that yeah. just got blown up and it but fed right into his person. They were counting on. Yeah, yeah, we have a new drummer named Barbie BTK. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're fucking something. Uh, let's talk about the video a little bit because um, I was as nauseated as I was spooked out yeah. legitimately by this. The but, fucking women rising up on stilts. Yeah, as they not like, good. That gives they, me they some just serious get taller Hill as vibes. they dance. Yeah. yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. The, the pirouetting or whatever. Yeah. Very, very upsetting. It's he's very got, creepy. It's got a lot of like mad scientist vibes in there where like his teeth are fucking, or his, his lips are stretched out to show his gums and stuff while I, he's singing. Yeah, I think they're either, I think they're using gynecological instruments for his mouth, for his teeth. I think so. It definitely yeah. made it seem like uh, going to the dentist isn't that big of a fucking yeah, deal anymore. Yeah, I've always he's a bit of a cunt. That makes sense. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, okay. How far did you have to bend over to pick that one up? Not very far. <laughs> yeah, it's like, that was right as there. As far as he bent it. over on those stilts when he was wearing that lab coat. <laughs> so what yeah. was going on in like the city square scene? Because I was trying to wrap my head around... Whatever is Garrett's grandfather? Are, are, are you talking about where it's like upside down and the people are all walking... Uh, yeah, at first well, they're like standing walking, up, and right. then it's like a spectacle, and they're all looking. Yeah, that, and that's like, a, a this of... is uh, very based off of Nazi propaganda. Yeah, this whole video idea. Yeah. And so, videos. like that scene is straight up just like fucking ripped from you know videos of Hitler and shit. More than anything, it's like Italian fascism, like black coat shit. Because okay. it seemed like it was trying to round up the actual yeah. townspeople versus like German army. And when right. and when you yeah. see in the one shot where they're like upside down and all walking in like lines almost. Yeah. And while he's, you know, right side up in the in the foreground, it's very reminiscent of like fucking animals on hooks like going down a line right yeah, like a slaughterhouse type thing gotcha so it, it definitely plays up the whole like cattle aspect uh you're all which, asleep sheep right right which is yeah. which is very standard fare especially like nowadays it's like who the fuck hasn't said that at this point like right. there's been a million different ways to say mm -hmm. that but at the time this was one of the most explosive ones saying it and, and, and it it's seemed... a visual spectacle. Right, so sure, it's sure, attention sure. grabbing. Yeah, yeah, may not be yeah. new, but it's attention grabbing. Right. Yeah. yeah. And and yeah, the 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 video as a whole is just a lot of like very odd medical or like societal weird oddities being portrayed, where like he's this like almost like looming figure 
just kind of like tiptoeing around fucking people like droning through and shit. It's it's very like he said experimental people yeah. being round up. So it almost has this implication that like people are being rounded up to be experimented on or something like that. Or he's experimenting on other people. I don't know. It's fucking them into gross. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was nasty. But I, I, I think I think the that was the entire point, right? It's just to just make to be, something that yeah. you would Shock have value. something to say. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I do want to talk but about it's like, like a ooh, fucking got... war boy had his face spray painted gray. <laughs> right, right. It's like yeah. spray paints, people getting rounded up, bases being pulled apart by pussy lip things. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then, well, and then like he's that got, And then he's got fishnet stockings on like Ooh. Yeah. Right, this is just your wedding yeah. night like, <laughs> jesse are you hard <laughs> brother not a chance in hell that's the spookiest halloween anything can his, happen not on his spookiest yeah, halloween. the dead can rise on today but not our dicks i thought maybe it was gonna happen until buffalo bill showed up but yeah. so uh, over, overall I, I saw that it was made in canada of all places too i figured like this is somewhere in detroit or something and it's like no it's made in canada like they fucking went on break and had poutine yeah like <laughs> what, a, what a weird nice place to have shot the Marilyn manson yeah, video it's made in this like distillery that yeah. was shut down like right after that they filmed there i think yeah too too many stilts yeah <laughs> yeah but there you go he let he made it easier for people to wear black nail polish i guess Anyway. Oh, so now you mentioned black nail polish, but when I, when I bring it up a fucking extreme. I'm sorry, oh, sorry. Okay, yeah. God damn it. His, his nails walked so extreme could run. <laughs> there you go. Uh, 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 let's just sit here in silence and just look at yeah, look, look boys at This is taking a steep decline. And speaking of decline, why don't we change it? <laughs> Let the thing breathe. It's Halloween. I think this house is haunted. <laughs> Something, something's haunted anyway. <laughs> All right, My yeah, so that's good. Any more thoughts on Marilyn Manson? Change it. Change it. Monster boy fits. <laughs> How do you feel now, Frank? It's always fun to fix him. I'm talking monster, Big Frank. Thank you. Big Frank talks and his eyes light up. Battery's not included. And so she says, number one, you've never been hard. Number two, you're immature. And I said, I thought number two was duty. And she fucking stormed off. And what? it's whatever. The restraining order doesn't go into effect till Tuesday. So I've got all weekend to burn her fucking life down. Let me, let me know when we're, when we're going. Uh, we're rolling. Okay. And we're back. And uh, let's go ahead and roll for our 13th episode. Is it 13th? 13th. This yeah, is our 12th. Okay. All right. Let's go ahead and roll. Coming up on the next episode of 90s Roulette Podcast, our movie is Bad Boys, Bad Boys. Oh, what oh, shit. Oh, I called it 95, yeah. man. Fucking that's, fuck. That's kicks great. ass. And Hell do you yeah. want to know what our TV show is? Yeah. Cops? No. <laughs> Beavis and Butthead. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Nice. Oh. Okay. Beavis and Butthead and Boys. The next music video is Nirvana Smells Like Teen Spirit. God damn, what episode? Yeah. What oh, a the fucking, fucking murderers, bro. I guess we, sure? have, we have to do one more then. We have to do one more episode. 
Yeah. This was going to be it, but. <laughs> I was, I was going to tell you at the end, I'm fucking done. Yeah. But, yeah. I, I kind of want to. Oh, you mean the podcast? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I got you. Yeah. 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 No. yeah. Okay. yeah. Don't, don't read too much into what that, I said. Though. That's going to be great. So, if you want to check out uh, that episode and all future episodes, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. It will help us out a lot. And if you enjoy the content, there's some extra bits over there on Patreon. Uh, I think a couple of times we solved the entire riddle of God. So, just check it out if you get a chance mm-hmm. and that's it so this has been us boys and girls thanks Mike. for listening all seven of you yeah th- thank you uh, um i think i hear a zombie coming in it's a vampire zombie god damn it get that out of here i don't really, need, I don't really need to say anything with you doing the heavy lifting like that uh, like oh no it's just Mike he's back from the bathroom. No You're thanks right. for thanks for uh, tuning in to our spooky Halloween episode and um, we're gonna do one more regular episode and then our Thanksgiving episode will be a time warp. We're announcing it now. We will be covering a different decade, um, kind of in the same format. But there's just not enough Thanksgiving content out there to really give that its dues. Not in the '90s, anyways. So tune in for that, and we will see you next time. Bye. One of the most identifiable things about it is the fact that Johnny Depp has black hair, which is similar to Jack Black and (laughs) what's his name? Uh, Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon Fallon when they're doing that cover of Extreme. Jimmy Fallon's the one with long hair, right? Yes, which is funny because normally he does have short hair and that kind of tidies up all the spookiness of Sleepy Hollow. Agree, Jack Black has short hair. Yeah. Yeah. I think more than Wait, Jimmy Fallon has short hair? (laughs)